Hello everyone and welcome to This Nintendo Life, episode 236. My name is NBZ and I'm in a bit of a Christmas mood, you know. I've uh, been going to the shops and seeing mince pies and being like, I should probably get some mince pies, it is the start of December, it is that time when you want to be eating those. I actually got sent a list of the best mince pies that you can buy in the UK and um, I think I'm going to take a look through, maybe get like a few different ones and just try them. Uh, it's, it's a good time, mince pies. And they're this weird thing, right, where they're like, they're called mince pies but they're sweet and like, I, to be honest, I still don't really understand that. There's probably some history behind it, but um, anyway, uh, I'm here, and I'm not joined by Bally. Uh, he's not here to interrupt my mince pie theorizing, uh, because, um, well, we had some timing schedule things. Uh, we had to kind of compact, condense our uh, recording schedule a little bit, uh, which means that uh, we didn't have time to do a what we've been playing segment uh, when we recorded earlier. But I'm here to tell you about what I've been playing, uh, and we'll get into all of that on the show today. Um, but we will, of course, be having some more exciting stuff as well, because uh, there's, uh, if you take a look at the running time of this thing, it's there's a lot to get through uh, because we're talking about our favorite games of the year also so uh, i guess i'm doing Bally's job for him here by telling you that today on the show uh, obviously i'm going to talk about the games i've been playing which is mainly just pokemon uh, scarlet and violet violet in particular um but uh, then also in the ba- back half of the show we are going to have our best games of the year uh, we're kicking off with our top 10 games of the year that didn't come out this year I believe uh, Goatee T. Dakota is now how we should now refer it to as, um, and that's uh, a very fun time. So uh, look forward to that. That will be Bally and I going through our individual top tens of our games that didn't come out this year, but that we played this year and that we enjoyed. And um, that's cool. Uh, there's some, some cool stuff in there, and it'll be fun to go through it. Uh, but... Uh, there's some other stuff that I wanted to get to. A little bit of housekeeping up at the top here. If you, listening at home right now, or in the car, or, I don't know, uh, while you're doing your Christmas decorations, however you're listening to us right now, um, you could go to a computer slash phone and go there and type an email address. That email address is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. And what you could do with that email is you could write in your favorite games of the year uh, obviously because we're recording a little bit early uh, we've had to truncate our timeline which means that you don't have too long to send in those emails so i'd recommend as soon as you hear this episode go ahead send those to us because our deadline is the 10th of december i would say for americans the end of the 9th of december because we usually record in the morning so probably morning of the 10th uk time is when we're going to be recording our last episode of the year and so if you can get in your list before then that would be fantastic, um, and we'll we'll read them out on the show. We uh, we had one uh, in on this show, but we have had others come in more recently, so we'll be doing a big run through of everybody's lists uh, and breaking down what your guys' favourite games were. The other thing I want to shout out is I am doing a bit of a survey uh, with everybody, so if you don't want to do a full email and write in, what you can do, which is simpler, is to go to our Twitter um, over there i'll I'll actually pin it up i think as the the top thing uh or i'll put a link to it i'll put a link to the the specific thing in the description here um to a google form and that google form is going to have uh, five empty slots and you basically put in what your top five games of the year are Uh, on nintendo platforms of course so anything that you played that came out this year on switch put that in there um, and you don't have to do all five slots if you only played three games and you think i want to order these this way you can do, do that um, and if you want to you know do the full five that's totally cool if you only had one if your favorite game of the year was 
I don't know, Bumpy's Party, uh, which is, is it not a real, it is a real video game, but it came out on the Wii U, um, then, uh, you know, you can put that as your number one. Uh, I probably won't count it because it didn't come out this year and was a Wii U game, but, you know, if you want to, uh, you, you can certainly try. Um, but, so, yeah, you, you go ahead and do that, and what I will do is I will collate all of that data, I'll put it all into a big spreadsheet, and I will figure out what the community's favourite game of the year is, all put together in one, one big thing. So, uh, there will be a link to the Google form as i mentioned in the description of this episode wherever you're listening to it on youtube or on a podcast feed um but also uh you know you can go to our twitter and find a link there if that is easier for you um and the points will be done on a kind of like reverse system where the the number one game is going to get five points uh and the number five game will get one point and it kind of goes down you know number two game gets four points etc etc that's how it works Anyway, um, <laughs> as I try and get my coughing fit to end here, um, I'm, I'm pretty much better now. It's taken like two weeks for me to do so. Um, let's get in to the show, shall we? Uh, let's talk about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Last time uh, I chatted with you all, uh, I was about, I would say, nine, ten hours into the game. It was the first weekend it had come out. Um, I played a good amount of it. I was enjoying it. Um, obviously, technical problems, still a big deal uh, and it's interesting since then nintendo have actually come out and said something about it they have gone to social media and said hey hey guys we know uh look uh, you're loud on the internet you were being loud on main and we thought you know what uh we should maybe listen to you this time and so now the game has been patched uh, i have not yet patched it because my game is still in sleep mode at the moment and uh, i need to save i'm kind of like at the end of the kind of uh, main game and uh, need to go to some study or something and talk to some person so i haven't saved and switched off yet but uh, as soon as i do that i will and hopefully that will help improve some of the issues people have been having i don't think it's a performance patch necessarily i think this one is fixing some bugs with stuff like the rng that was happening and competitive stuff which sounded like a nightmare um, and some other like bug fixes and those types of things the performance side of things i don't know how much better they can make it if i'm honest you know they uh they they didn't have much time but um but also like there's something to do with foundations right sometimes like with games like this who knows Uh, i don't know how much involvement they had from other studios under nintendo's banner if that's going to be something they're doing now do they give monolith a call who knows what happens there but um i do think that uh it hopefully means nintendo will do something about it right like i think as a company their image is very important to them and I think part of Nintendo's charm and, and part of that aura is the almost like mythic status their games earn from a polished perspective. Like you look at something like Mario Odyssey and it's like, I played that game a long time and I like looked in every corner and nook and possibility and tried to, you know, see if there were ways to break it. But like, my God, that game is like polished to perfection. It's a shining diamond of a video game. And you just don't get that with many other companies, you know, um, it, it kind of like it makes them stand apart. But it also means that when they put out projects like this, uh, which are clearly less uh, impressive, let's say technically, then uh, it, it probably kind of tars their reputation in a way. And I would say that, like, obviously the Pokemon company has a lot to do with putting these games out and saying, hey, look, we've got to make money, we've got to do this. But Nintendo are probably also like, hey, look, we've got a third of a stake in this thing. Uh, we can't we can't have this continue to be like this forever. So I know we had to get it out on time, but look, let's try, let's try and fix this mess at least a little bit so it's like possible. Which, you know, if you look at what Arceus was, Arceus wasn't the prettiest looking game, but it, it did run well, right? Like it, it held 30 frames pretty solidly throughout most of that experience. And, um, I don't know, maybe it's to do with the complete open world here and, and rendering all that stuff, but I don't know, they, they hopefully should find a way through it. And, um, you know, I, the thing is, here's the, here's the bottom line. 
I had a great time with this game. I really enjoyed it, and I think, yes, the technical problems marred the experience somewhat, but I just think that, like, as a game, as a step forward for Pokemon, it's a really, really fresh and exciting thing. And overall, that was my takeaway, was that I had a great time, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, and yeah, so I've now, I've now rolled credits, um, so I've, I've finished, like, all the main story stuff. Uh, it took me about 27 and a half hours, that's what my clock said. Um, and I think it, uh, it could have taken me fewer... But the uh, the end of the game got tricky. Uh, it definitely did. And uh, I think part of it was... You always go through these kind of, like, uh, hills and valleys, what do you call it? Yeah, I guess so. Like, peaks and troughs, uh, let's say, of, uh, of, like, where you are in your Pokemon journey. You know, at the very beginning, you know, I mentioned last time I spent, like, three or four hours in that opening area, catching everything, exploring every nook and cranny. And when you start games, that tends to be it with open worlds especially. Like, I remember playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and that opening island on Assassin's Creed Odyssey. This tiny little part of the map, tiny, tiny, but I probably spent five hours cleaning out everything on that that place and then when you get to the big open world you're like oh oh this thing is so huge in a way that's almost exhausting you know it's almost like you look at it and you're like i this is big checklist like i had a little small checklist i enjoy doing but now the checklist is like astronomically bigger and i don't know if i want to keep doing that over and over again and so inevitably you'll get to get, get to a point in any of these games where you're like okay cool i did like scour and like go everywhere in that opening area but, you know, now I've got this bike and this bike is getting new abilities and, um, you know, I can now glide places and I can climb walls and I can go over water and it just makes things faster. And that, that ability to be quicker in terms of your traversal also means that you probably stop and smell the roses a little bit less, which is definitely what I did with, with Violet was you know, I, I found my way through places and towns, and eventually you get those mobility options that let you almost kind of, like, dart from place to place. So, you know, for the first, I would say, 50% of my journey, I was being very careful and meticulous and, like, exploring places deeply. But then you get to the point where, you're like, okay, well, my team is kind of solidified now. I know where I'm going. I know what I have to do. Let's just knock out the last of these these things that i need to do on my map right the the titan path and the the starfall stuff and the um the, the path to elite for doing the gym leaders all that stuff um <clears throat> eventually got to a point where i was like okay let's just mainline it right uh, and there was certainly like a point right before the end where things were leveling up quite a bit and because i hadn't been exploring because i hadn't been taking the time to fight all the trainers and explore the place and catch every single thing I was a little underleveled, and you know what? I did kind of like that. It, it definitely threw me off a bit because I have generally found Pokemon games to give you a nice on ramp. You know, you're you're usually in the place you want to be. You're usually at a good enough level to take on like the Elite Four or or the gym level that you need to be at, right? It usually because you have you know routes that you go down and trainers are on those routes and you're gonna run into them and you're gonna fight them and you're gonna get the xp for them right there's almost a um <clears throat> there's kind of a massaged way in which these games push you through and because this is so open because you can kind of approach it and be like well no i'm just gonna go from that gym to that gym to that gym you suddenly see like oh the levels are, are gaining here and, and there's g getting to be a bit of a spike um and that was certainly the case uh, with me in, in kind of the end of the stuff. And I know that I think the levels are set in particular areas. Somehow I managed to, the last two things that I did were in fact the hardest things in the game in terms of level requirements. So I don't know how I kind of like managed my way to do that, um, but it kind of worked out. And I did, 
I did end up kind of ping-ponging my way across the map a little bit. You know, I do like that the, uh, you know, when you go to the map over screen, it shows you what number you did everything in. So you can have your order be totally different from someone else's, which I think is very cool. Um, but there were some, like, some nice memorable moments along the way where I think I got to the Alfonado gym before I got to the... There's a gym that you go, so if you leave the main plaza area, the very beginning, the, the university, the school, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> and you go out to the west of the map, right? There, if you continue on down that way, you'll find your first gym, which is like a grass gym or whatever, right? Or a bug gym, I can't remember which one. And I was like, you know what? That's cool. I'm just going to ignore that for a while, and I'm going to go and find some something else. And I did. I found this gym in Alfonado going like along the coast and up these hills and mountains that came out the other side of a cave. And um, it's this beauty, this beautician who's the gym leader. And the town, by the way, has like one of my favorite nods or references in a Pokemon game. Um, I'm not going to spoil it here, but go check that thing out. It's awesome. It builds into the culture, the Spanish culture, while also being a nod to the history of Pokemon in a way that I thought was pretty spectacular. And, um, and that gym leader had Pokemon that were 10 levels higher than mine. So I was like, hmm, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be here. But I'm gonna try anyway, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna try, um, and I did try for a while, uh, and uh, it wasn't great because she uses psychic types, and I quickly realized uh, my team my team had three fighting types, which wasn't great. Um, I think it just ended up being the case because I didn't realize that the final evolution of my water starter would in fact also be fighting type. So that, that I was like, okay, I've got two, but you know it's fine. It's okay, there's only two. And then a third one appeared. I was like, oh, well, okay, this isn't great. I probably should deal with this. Um, I didn't deal with it. I kept all three of those Pokemon till the rest of the game. Um, so that wasn't uh, a great choice on my part and probably led into some of my difficulties. But I think it was nice. It was nice to to not build like a team that was, you know, oh, I've got to be the most competitive, most like um, rigid team ever. I'm just going to go with the stuff that I like. And, you know, at least with some of the stuff that I think is kind of good and um and it generally worked out, but I did end up being like, okay, well, I can't beat that gym, so I'm just going to skedaddle off for a while and go fight some other stuff. So I did end up going down to, you know, that, that easier gym, and I just curb stomped it, right? Because <laughs> all those Pokemon are, like, level 15, and I was, like, level 35, so it was just, it was pretty fun just, like, rolling on through and doing that stuff. I will say, when it comes to the gyms, I was pretty disappointed with the quote-unquote gym challenges. Uh, all of them were very, let's say, slight, you know? I think they had nice ideas but you know one of them is literally there's this big oval this is the uh the gym that i'm just talking about the the very easy one it's like a rugby ball it's like an olive it's supposed to be an olive a giant olive um and you just kind of walk into it and it physics around the place and you do a mini obstacle course with it to get it in a in a goal and i can't remember if there's even a timer i think i think there must be but like it it wasn't really anything you're just walking this olive around and then you put it in a goal and uh and that's it you're done um there's another one up on a mountain it's like all right we're gonna do like a um a snowboarding thing on your on your pokemon so i'm on my ride on and I'm, I'm going down i'm like okay going through the gates cool takes about a minute maybe a minute and a half and then i i finish at the end i'm like okay that that was it that was the gym the quote-unquote gym challenge um and I think it's interesting that they're trying to get different kind of gameplay styles into here, almost using the open world in a way, right? Like, that part of the mountain is one that you could just walk on usually, but they've now set it up with obstacles and stuff like that, right? Like, it feels like they're trying to use the space in interesting ways, and yet it it feels underwhelming. Um, I think that, you know, classic Pokemon games, when you, when you think about, like, I don't know, Lieutenant Surge, which 
you know, as a kid, probably a lot of people had frustrations with that, or even uh, the ice gym uh, in Gold and Silver, you know, the, the ice puzzles. I like those quite a bit, and I think they're much more involved and interesting, and, like, actually require thought as opposed to a lot of the quote-unquote challenges that you get in this game um, i definitely think is a weakness there's there's certain gyms where you do fight some trainers beforehand there was a there was one where i was just doing a dance i was just i was just like <laughs> they were like having an exercise class and someone up front is like telling you to emote in different ways and so you have to like do different poses based on the emotes but you do it like multi- you can do it multiple times but you don't need to and i'm like i was never sure of like if i was doing it right or not it was very weird but i passed it first time and i was like well i don't really know what to think of those i um to me it feels like you know how in breath of the wild people complained about the dungeons not being real dungeons right and they're they're all based on this other stuff and and they don't feel as rewarding or as like visually unique it's kind of what it feels like they've done with the gyms where they're like I, if I'm honest, aside from the gyms that I got stuck on a couple of times because of the difficulty level of them, I don't remember any of the gym leaders. I don't really remember any of the towns, um, aside from the specific ones like the one in the snow up top because it's kind of like hard to forget that. Um, You know, they just weren't very, uh, they weren't memorable, right? In the same way that I think those older Pokemon games had places that were memorable. And part of that is, again, the biomes and the open world you know having this more not realistic tinge to it but a way in which it kind of flows together and and cities feel like they should be in these places and there's less identity i would say in some senses um so i think that kind of leads into that idea that's why the gyms kind of didn't work that well for me but i did like some of the things they did there was one where i had to go around town hunting down clues by talking to people to get a phrase that i would then say at a restaurant and then the restaurant would cook wouldn't cook the meal but you'd say i want this with this and lemon and stuff like that and then you would that was the code to to do the gym battle and that was probably the most fun one in terms of running around and talking to people like it involved you going around the whole town talking to different npcs um actually going to like shops and stuff and being like oh this is the thing they're selling in the shop so i have to put that together for myself like that was probably the best one i would say but um it was kind of the only one that was doing something a bit more interesting in terms of actually getting you to think uh, and do something cool so you know uh i i definitely think that's a point of improvement um and i think for the next game it's something they can focus on but um but yeah otherwise i think so much of the focus of this game is the open world and is that exploration factor that you know it was the thing that i was the most involved with and i i really did enjoy just the process of coming across new stuff just in the wild you just run into something and be like the fuck is this it's like a weird <laughs> vacuum cleaner you know or like um you sometimes for me especially i would go into later areas end game areas and i would come across pokemon that were like well clearly there's an evolution that comes before this but i don't know what that was because i didn't encounter it up to this point so multiple times i would come across the evolution first and then the pre-evolution second because i just hadn't seen anyone use it like any of the trainers or, or the ones that i'd fought just hadn't come across it or i'd just gone to it in a different order so that i was in tougher areas and therefore like higher level pokemon versus the the easier areas so that was always fun and it was, it was almost a process of like working backwards in some sense um so one of my pokemon that i found was sco villain which is uh 
It's basically, uh, it's, it's a plant on legs with two hot peppers for heads. Uh, and it looks pretty dumb, but I was like, you know what? This is this is my kind of dumb, uh, grass fire type. Um, so I caught one of those, and that was part of my team. I managed to catch a terror type um, hound, I believe Houndstone is his name. It's the dog that has a, uh, you know, a RO, what the hell? It's a fucking funeral stone, whatever the hell you call it. Um, a headstone uh, on its head, and uh, it's a ghost type and uh, apparently uh, apparently that's been banned already um and i can kind of see why because i was using one of the i think the move that made it be banned um i did use that quite a lot at the end uh, after someone had told me that i was like oh i can see why this was banned this thing seems fucking broken in, in a in a pretty fucked up way uh but in a way that i appreciate uh, especially going through the single player um so so yeah that was part of my team as well um as well as uh a poor mot now some of these evolutions you know i think just finding out how to evolve stuff has always been a point of tension in pokemon i think part of it comes down to they want people in the playground talking to each other being like oh shit did you know that you could evolve feebas into militic by being nice to it right shit like that and um and it's really hard to just to figure that stuff out on your own like would i ever have figured out that i had to have my little electric fucking mouse fighting electric thing run beside me for a thousand steps to evolve but fucking of course not right like who who would have thought that so <laughs> i do think that um i wish that they built in i wish that the world had ways of me knowing that you know maybe there was maybe there was an npc that i skipped that said hey by the way do you know if you run around with this guy he'll evolve um but i think that would be nice right because there there are you know situations where how the fuck do you figure out how to evolve certain pokemon um some of them are just like so esoteric and weird that you just have to go to Cerebi or you just have to ask someone who already knows and they'll tell you. Um, it would be nice, you know, because there is a sense of someone like me coming into the game where, you know, I'm there to just see new Pokemon and get surprised. And I don't want to go on the internet and search for how to evolve X because then inevitably you just see the evolution for X right there. And that happened to me. So Cerulege, which is one of the Pokemon that I was using, uh, that probably my MVP for the entire game, um, Cerulege, who starts out as Sharkadet, Sharkadet, a little fire dude. As soon as I saw Sharkadet, I was like, this thing's going to evolve into something cool. I can feel it. So I caught it immediately. I was like, you're going to be on my team. I need a fire type. This is what I want. Um, And then I come to find out that looking up online, I was like, this thing isn't evolving yet. What do I have to do? There must be something weird going on. And it is one of those weird, you have to use a specific item on the Pokemon in order to evolve it. And, um, well, the only way to get that is to go to this one specific town and kill 10 Sinisty, I think, which spawn very infrequently outside that town and get the crafting materials from them to trade to an old lady who will then give you an item an item which she doesn't tell you what it is before you have to do this task for her she'll just say she just says i'll give you something cool so like doing this entire little mini side quest to get this item for this pokemon um yeah i wouldn't have figured that out on my own you know unless i was going around doing 100 percent of everything and just cleaning out the game and even then i don't know would would the would the item have said on its description by the way this evolved shark i don't think so um so yeah it, it certainly in order to get good pokemon that i ended up having uh, i did have to like obviously go online which is part of the experience right part of pokemon and its charm is that in, in entire interaction kind of element um of you know with your friends that's why they have two versions right they split it between the two and um i think it was uh it was good uh in the sense that i was on discord asking people stuff and you know trying to avoid spoilers in that way um so it, it it can have its benefits but also i don't know i do wish that there was a way in game to figure out evolutions a little bit better um, than they have before 
Um, but I think the the thing that surprised me a lot about this game is that the narrative is look the narrative's not game breaking. It's not going to like blow your mind or anything. But considering the state of Pokemon and its narrative. I think that this definitely takes a nice step forward. And I think part of it is it invests in characters more so than anything else. Um, You have the three quests that you go on and you have three characters who are kind of associated with each of those. And they call them all rivals. And I'm like, I don't think that's really true. Like, Nimona is definitely a rival and you fight her a bunch. And she's like the more traditional, like, you're going to fight against her. And she's just, she's just horny for battle. That's all she wants to do all the time. She's like, hey, fight me, by the way. I know we just fought, but let's fight three more times back to back. She's she's a demon. Um, and I do like her a lot. I like her character design. I like her as a character. She's, she's fun. Um, but the other two characters are very interesting as well. And I won't specifically say who they are. Um, or maybe one of them I won't say. But one of them is Arvin. Arvin's a really interesting character who probably has the most nuanced story in the game and kind of touches topics that i didn't think a pokemon game would touch which is really interesting um you know part way through that titan quest I, I certainly was like oh i actually like have a bit of attachment to this character and they're doing a really good job of like building them up to something and having an interesting backstory there and and like definitely arvin is kind of the mvp when it comes to the end game when it comes to what what's going on really uh, and you know going into the crater and all that sort of stuff and um i think honestly some of the best character writing in the game is this weird section at the end where you get into the final end game area and you know i won't spoil what it is or anything but the the tone is just like so wild the music playing is like what the fuck am i in like near automata or something like the vibe of the music is so weird um and i loved it i thought it was fantastic but i was like what is going on in this place like it it's really uh interesting and um and part of that involves those three characters all coming together like once you've done all the three individual quest lines you know all four of you go down to this place and um and and they as you run along they are chatting with each other and what i realized was that i think the the weakness in pokemon writing tends to be that your character is mute and so you're often having one-sided conversations right characters will come up to you and talk at you and it doesn't lend for interesting back and forth because you can't have a back and forth and so finally in this end game moment you have these three characters who have kind of lightly interacted before but don't really know each other having conversations with each other as you're running through this area and part of it is a little annoying because the whole voice acting thing there's no voice acting so i basically have to stand still while they're talking to each other because i can't focus on running around and reading at the same time because i didn't want to run into pokemon and get into battle and then halfway cut off the conversation but some of the stuff that gets said in there like reveals backstory about the characters like endears you to them makes them have interesting relationships with each other and like don't get me wrong this isn't like the most uh, in-depth kind of like emotional big beats of storytelling but there's enough of it and there's a long enough time you're down there that you have multiples of these conversations and you learn quite a bit about like those characters and i was like what why wasn't there more of this in the game like i, I do think that that is a weakness here and the other weakness obviously being the lack of voice acting like it's so fucking bizarre to go into these full cutscenes and characters mouths will move the lips will flap and nothing comes out of it it's so it's just off-putting in a way that i understand the pokemon company is just like mired in so much shit like they just they they need to get so much stuff done especially with these games on such a tight schedule and like working in 3d and hd now in a way with a big open expansive open world 
fucking hell man just give them let them get voice actors like please somebody it's it feels wrong uh in this day and age it just feels even back in the era of n64 and playstation you know ps1 games metal gear solid were doing voice acting and people were like well why doesn't zelda have voice acting you know and only like five years ago did zelda have voice acting for the first time it's fucking crazy um but i do think that it these characters especially like there are emotional moments like i would like to hear somebody performing those as opposed to me just looking at them and feeling strange when these big emotional emotional outbursts happen and there's no dialogue to accompany it it's just a little bizarre so um i i I would think that that would be a direction they go for next time hopefully we'll see i don't know if they ever will but it, it just feels off um but you know as i said the narrative comes together in a really interesting way uh, and there's weird and bizarre stuff at the end of that game and i think it's worth seeing um the final boss of this game the final fight i i lost it twice you know and i think that's something that for me was really interesting going in here is i i have never found pokemon games hard they never are supposed to be hard this one i don't think is that challenging if i'm honest but i think the fact that i was slightly under leveled and my team wasn't like the best compositionally like i said i had three fucking fighting types in this thing so i had common weaknesses across multiple pokemon right um flying being a big one because i also had a grass type in there so i get to this final fight and i'm like i lose twice and like (laughs) both times i'm like okay i need to reassess i need to reevaluate i need to actually have a plan here of like who goes in first when do i make my switches can i sacrifice this guy so that i can use a revive on this other guy right like there was real actual thought going into those fights and i think that is great honestly like because that hasn't happened to me before um and you know there are certain times where the ai will do stupid stuff it always happens but for the most part you know i was on the back foot and there was a certain pokemon i won't say what it is for fear of spoilers but it was dark and flying and it it basically fucked my whole team it just completely screwed it could have swept my whole team and so i had to come up with a strategy of stopping that from happening right like of figuring out what what do i do when this happens and it was really fun to do that i thought it was a really like i I went back into my items i was like equipping items i was looking at like can i give something a berry like does that make sense you know i was like trying to actually strategize in a way that i've never been asked to do in a pokemon game before um and of course i think if i had spent more time at the late part of the game exploring and fighting all the trainers and you know going everywhere the map had possible and leveling everyone up appropriately depending on the trainers and all that sort of stuff then maybe it wouldn't have been that big a deal you know if i'm honest uh, i did have a pretty sick setup with my cerule edge uh, my cerule edge called marasi uh, named after a character from uh, brandon sanderson book um the mistborn era 2 uh, novels uh and uh and and that that pokemon was my mvp because had swords dance had a good variety of moves had a new move called bitter blade which is awesome especially for just playing through the single player i don't know how effective it would be in competitive but it's a 90 base power and gives you health back which is pretty fucking great that's pretty sick as a move in game because it means you don't have to waste time using potions you can heal yourself even if you take damage which is really good because you know cerule edge is not bulky it can take like maybe a hit but then needs to heal back up to be able to take another hit and so i was uh, going through the elite four and a couple of them i was like you know what 
here we go. I'm going to set up a swords dance turn one, and then I'm just going to fucking sweep. And I did, and I was able to do that for a couple of them. But then, you know, a couple of others, I did have to get creative and change things about. Um, and so you couldn't, I couldn't really lean on that 100%, but it was nice to have that kind of like, hey, I still, I can still do competitive Pokemon stuff. I know what a swords dance is, um, and it's fun. It's fun to do that. And I'm, I'm excited to just jump in for a couple of times on Showdown, because uh, I don't think I've actually seen a bunch of the legendaries in this game right like someone was saying you could get legendaries before going to the elite four and i was like wait really i haven't i don't know what to do with that but then you know there's some stuff there that's hidden in the world there's some weird stuff you come across there are these weird stakes in the ground i was like what what are these like those weird dark stakes and apparently you pull them out and i didn't really know what they did and then someone told me what they did and i was like oh okay so maybe there is like a reason for me to go back here and explore and maybe find some of those legendaries but um yeah i still don't think i've seen the full pokedex yet i still haven't been spoiled um i don't think i've seen the second evolution of one of the starters even because your rival takes one and then and then you see the final stage of one of them in one of the fights but I don't think I've actually ever seen the second stage. So, like, even that, somehow, I've been unspoiled on, which is very, very cool. But, you know, uh, I think that, overall, my experience was great, and I really enjoyed it, and I think it's a it's a very easy game to play. You know, you can just roll around, and um, I wish that the exploration had maybe a few more kind of interesting, unique hidden things to find you know like you do you are kind of breadcrumbed around by the pokeballs that you find you're like oh there's another one let's go pick that up and pick that up and if there are a few more unique things and maybe there are some things that i haven't found yet in the world you know um but it's cool to get to a new biome a new area like there's a giant lake at the top of the map um that was just huge and i was like oh my god there's so many water pokemon in here and some this weird fucking little sushi dragon i was like what and there's this giant huge like whale thing um loads of interesting pokemon around that area and you know i i do think it's worth probably going around and exploring a bit more and maybe finding some stuff and you know i'm not gonna catch them all i don't think you know i said that with sword and shield i was like oh, i'm gonna do this and i did i spent 40 hours with sword and shield i put a lot of time in that game but um i didn't end up catching them all and i don't think i will here either it's just one of those things that it's it's a it's a fun idea but then you kind of get into the nitty-gritty of it and you're like eh, maybe this takes a bit more time than than i would ideally want to do uh, and do i really want to do it i don't know but um it's a fun thing at least for uh, people who do want to do that and i think that the door is wide open um to get into it a um, couple of things that I didn't really engage with in this game, which I don't know, maybe let me know if I should. I never really went back to the school and talked to anybody there because I didn't feel like I needed to. Um, and then, like, right at the end of the game, uh, after the credits rolled and everything, I was back in the school. And I went to one of the one of the rooms and talked to, like, a nurse. And the nurse was like, oh, hey, hi you're new here and this was after i'd beaten the elite four so i was like mm, maybe i should have done this at the start of the game because this dialogue does not reflect what i've just done um so i think maybe i should have done that but then after i had a conversation with her the game was like your relationship was improved and i was like what the fuck is this game secretly persona as well have i just missed this entire like uh mini social arc of this game where you go and make friends with your teachers uh, maybe i don't know is that worth doing someone let me know um and also I, I, I did talk about the tms last time in crafting tms and i never really used it if i'm honest like i didn't there were a couple of tms that i found from picking up and i used those to teach moves um but i i didn't really see a necessity to craft any of them and obviously that's going to be something that's important for people further down the line you know when you're doing competitive when you're making move sets all that sort of stuff um but i think in the main game 
it didn't really have much of an effect on my choices and what i did um so i think it's cool and i think it's a cool change but really when it came down to the single player stuff i don't think it really had much of an effect um i think part of it is you have to go around and get specific crafting materials from specific pokemon which can be frustrating like i said with the sinister example i'm rolling around there for like at least 25 30 minutes just trying to kill 10 sinister you know and it's just a case of will they spawn or not you know do they do they appear um it's a little bit of a toss of the coin especially if you're looking for rarer pokemon because then you know it takes even longer to find them and you need to get like a certain amount just to get this tm to be crafted yeah it, it feels like it could get a little grindy potentially but i haven't dug much into it so i don't know so maybe there are easier ways to do it and uh, stuff like that but yeah i i do think there's there's some fun stuff out in the world you know like even kind of near the end of the game i was finding stuff where i was like oh there's this mini there's this mini like kind of body of water there are these three towers and there are these three dragon tamer ladies standing by each tower and they're like i'm the dragon tamer sister blah 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 and they you know it doesn't really lead to anything it's not like you get cool stuff or a story from it but it's just this interesting like oh okay like this kind of gives identity to this part of the world and whatever was going on here this this kind of ruins and these these people just hanging out here and you know you, you climb to the top of those towers and you get items um and related to that stuff and yeah i think there's just a lot of cool things around the world and the the decision to go in an open world direction i think generally has paid off for the pokemon company here and for game freak and then kind of for nintendo of course they're having to deal with the the fallout of all the the bugs and the the frame rate stuff and uh look that end game area as well woof woof we talk about fucking frame rate in this game the end game area does not hold up to scrutiny let me tell you um but uh but the experience was there the experience was there and and the the story did i wouldn't say like delivered like it's not gonna this ain't this ain't fucking last of us but you know it's it's going to it's going to give you something more than the series has done before which i think is good and you know maybe that's damning with faint praise but i i, I did really enjoy it and i think that there's enough if you if you approach it from the right angle the right direction with the right attitude ultimately i think you'll get a lot from this game and i think a lot of people have gotten a lot from this game already um of course it sold 10 million copies in three days even in its broken ass state it's still like it's so funny to me because like people are like wow god of war sold five million copies in a week that's wow sony the fastest selling sony game of all time meanwhile the pokemon company out here with this broken fucking mess being like yo dog we sold double that in three days fucking just slamming it down on the table like it's it's uh you know they're fine <laughs> they, they, they don't need to fix this game but they probably should they probably should um it is slightly terrifying uh, how big Pokemon is as a franchise uh, that it could do that. But there you go. That's that's what it is. Um, all right. Well, I think I have sufficiently talked through my feelings, my thoughts, uh, my desires about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Violet in particular. I also am interested. How does, what's that? What's the end of Scarlet like? Because like there are some significant things that happen specific to the ideas around what Violet is doing and the specific legendary that you have and that's like the opposite in scarlet so i'm i kind of want to go and watch a youtube video of what happens at the end of scarlet because it's it's different i'm pretty sure it's got to be different um so very interesting stuff uh i will i'll have to seek that out for myself but i think uh look i think most of you listening either probably know 
either you've bought the game because of course you were going to buy the game or you were never going to buy the game because you're never going to buy the game so is any of anything i've said of, of use in any way i don't know um but at least i've got my thoughts on the table there um and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be hard it's gonna be hard for me particularly to decide well, you know <laughs> where does this rank uh is this like up there as one of the best pokemon games i think in some ways yeah you know um in some ways yeah and um and how does it stand up against Arceus? You know, I think that's a decision a lot of people are, are making at this point in the year for their game of the year list. Is like these two Pokemon games went in pretty similar directions, but excelled in different things, and you know, both very unique and both the boldest step forward that this this developer has taken in a long time, despite all the issues and the baggage around it. Um, you know, I'm glad they're actually taking steps, right? Because if if this had been a situation where they put out another Pokemon game that's just like Sword and Shield again, you know? If it's just like another one, and it's also a broken mess, then I think that's a massive fucking problem for Game Freak. Because then not only is the game boring and rote and repetitive, but also the game's fucking broken. So, like, I think they, you know, at the very least, they broke their game design and went in a wild different direction with it. And that is honestly the saving grace. Because otherwise, I think they would have been fucking buried by everyone even more so. Um, so it's good it's good that they at least are innovating or at least trying to um and all i ask is that monolith soft get to be on board just give look i know monolith soft are like they're the bedrock of nintendo they're like every developer under nintendo are like hey uh, monolith can you help me with my homework uh, that's basically what they are they're basically the smart kid in school and they help everybody with their homework um but maybe Maybe we should help uh, Game Freak cheat on the test instead of just helping with the homework. Maybe that should be the thing. Uh, and, you know, I don't advocate for cheating exams, but sometimes, sometimes it's warranted, and this might be one of those situations. So, Monolith, fucking go get the answer sheet and and give it to Game Freak, all right? That's what we need to do, okay? Um, so, there we go. All right, uh, that is enough from me. Uh, we will be back after the break uh, where Bally will be there and we shall be going through our favourite games that didn't come out this year for some Goatee Tea Dakota. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. All right, everyone, welcome back to the second part of the show. It's a biggie. It's December. It's the end of the year. And that means it's time for one thing and one thing only. It's time for Goatee T Dakota. Uh, yes, of course, the games of the year that didn't come out this year. Uh, we have decided to just go with that acronym now. It just sounds stupid in a way that fits the stupid long name that we came up originally with so um it is forever and forever shall be goatee t dakota as stupid as it is games that we've been playing this year that didn't actually come out this year has been um 
a stalwart part of the podcast, you know, yeah. like right from the off. Like, this goes back to the days when we'd play three games that came out on Wii U in the whole year of 2014. Uh-huh. And we're like, yeah. what are we even going to talk about at the end of the year? Yeah, so exactly. Like, well, we're going to talk about the games that we played that year that didn't actually come out that year. Uh-huh. And It was almost out of necessity the, in a way, right? Uh, but, right. Uh, and as yeah. the Switch now covers most of the games that came out in the year of 2022, um, it's still there's still value in playing the old games uh, yes. that we are catching up on in our massive backlogs and you know that we need to shine that light absolutely and i know i've heard from our community like a lot of people for them this is their favorite uh, kind of thing that we do uh, which is very uh, nice and i appreciate that i think it's also because a lot of people who listen to podcasts and don't do podcasts tend to not play as many uh new games right like a lot of people are playing old games all the time um mm. generally speaking i think and so people are always catching up on on old stuff and uh yeah it's a cool cool part of the show and um yeah obviously uh, people have their own lists as well uh, and we've got one of those today uh because we're actually recording early uh we haven't had time for people to write in but we'll talk about that at the end as well but you you can write in with your your list still um and stuff like that and even if they're the old ones if they're the non-tendo ones all that stuff you can keep writing them in uh, and we'll talk about them on the next episode of the show and we have one uh, from wicked gamer uk allen who says wow i can't believe it's that time of year again and what a fantastic year of gaming it's been can't wait to hear you two discuss your list and duke it out for the game of the year it's always my favorite episode and the longest keep up the awesome work and look forward to an exciting 2023 the awesome games that are coming out and what's in store for the podcast here are my top five games of the year for all the different categories um and uh, yeah so allen sent us all different categories but we're going to just do the goatee t dakoti that he sent us uh, for this show so so, uh, number five, Last of Us Part 1. Not sure what else could be said about this game. Lots of fun and solid gameplay mechanics. Number four, Red Dead Redemption 2. I both loved and hated this game at the same time. I'm so impressed with the overall look and feel of the game. The mechanics are great. The story is amazing. However, the need to be so realistic just annoyed me after a while. It's a video game, but still a game that everyone should experience. Number three, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Downloaded this on my Switch based on your recommendation and goatee discussion. Nothing to add that you two haven't already said, but such a fun and beautiful game to get sucked into. Number two, Zelda Majora's Mask. This is another game I have love, uh, love-hate relationship with. Thankfully, the save states available on NSO make this bearable. I appreciate the different approach the developers took with this one, especially the darker tone, but I didn't love the time mechanic. Number one, God of War 2018. I didn't have a PS4, so never understood the hype around this game. I'm so pleased I took the time to play it on my PS5. This is an awesome example of a AAA game that pushes the system to its limits, technically, and is still fun, technically. I felt a total badass playing as Kratos. Can't wait to play Ragnarok very good um what definitely uh yeah some very strong contenders in there right like this feels like hey uh have been out of video games uh for for a while and, and came back and played some some bangers right yeah totally and we really do need to get to majora's mask oh my um, god it's the last we, zelda game that i need to play off for a very long time yeah. and yeah we need to play that and then we can claim that we've played every zelda game maybe minus the nes games that we uh, yeah they don't look they don't really count really as video count. games you know it's fine um i would like one day to do that thing where we play through them cooperatively on the nintendo switch yes online that would service. be fun that would be fun yeah but yeah like last was part one red dead redemption 2 like these are both i personally love both of those games and then yeah what are the wisps that was our goatee. That was our actual goatee from two years ago. Will of the Wisps, I think, is just the best Metroidvania ever made. Yes. I think officially. Like, yes. It's just exceptionally good. Um, yeah, someone at work beat it recently and was like, yeah, it's like one of the best games I've ever played. I'm like, yes, 
Yes, join the join the the good side here, yeah. uh, the Ori side, uh, which is which is very. Exciting. And God of War twenty eighteen was like the first non Nintendo game I ever played. At buying a PS four in twenty eighteen and playing that game, and yeah, it's a incredible, incredible, obviously narrative driven, focused, cinematic game. But I'm um, playing Ragnarok right now, and yeah, it's a it's a great start to that story and that kind of whole reboot. It's would highly recommend. Very good. Uh, so yes uh, as we mentioned you can send in your list to the podcast Uh, we have a deadline of the 9th of december which is only a few days after this podcast goes up so if you would like to you can send those in to our email address which bally is email address is this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com lovely and we'll remind you of that at the end of the show as well Uh, you can also hop onto our discord which is linked in the description and post your list there as well we'll be doing some call outs earlier before this episode goes up uh, also to get your lists Um, but send them in it's always a fun fun thing to look at the community and see what everyone is playing Uh, without further ado bally uh, let's get into goatee t dakota for 2022 what are the games of the year that didn't come out this year Uh, we are going to we both have top 10 lists individual top 10 lists these cover every video game platform so you know stuff that we've played that's old we kind of just lump it all together if we played it on playstation or steam or wherever or even on switch uh, even on gamecube maybe who knows um we will put it all in this one list um and we have 10 games that we go down in reverse order starting from 10 going down to one and we'll go back and forth between bally and myself as we count down on our list and then we'll might have some honorable mentions that we'll do at the end that kind of thing um but yeah before we jump into it bally looking at your list how hmm. do you feel about your goatee t dakota this year for me it's the kind of list that year on year i think gradually loses a little bit of quality each year and i think that's just because i coming out the gate in 2018 and buying a ps4 it was like right i, I kind of I want to play all the the Sony, this Nintendo classics that I've missed out on. So like Uncharted 4 and, you know, Last of Us Part 1 and all these things. And um, now that I've played a lot of those, I do think this list is arguably slightly weaker. But I still think it's an incredibly strong list. And I still had a great time playing these games. I should also say, I think I played 15 games total. So this is my top 10 out of those 15. So there was okay. only, only five games didn't make the cut. Yeah, I think as the years go on, our list started with stuff like Link to the Past on it, you know, like Super Metroid, exactly. and um, eventually you run out of classics, and for me especially, I find my list gets more and more esoteric as the years go on, because... That's exactly what was happened to mine, where yeah, it started yeah. off very Nintendo, like you said, Link to the Past, like, uh, I, th- I swear, like, um, the old, I think I played Pikmin, yeah, yeah, Pikmin one of the, yeah, 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 I think I played the wrong year, and, yeah, probably. and games like, um, what was I going to say, like... Uh, metroid uh super metroid and games yeah. like that metroid prime you know and then it became very non-tendo so last of us uncharted all these games and now it's back to i think all these games are on nintendo platforms to be honest right now, which is quite interesting um, yeah and yeah this is much more kind of the the deep cut on switch arguably awesome maybe that's another exaggeration but we'll see you'll see yeah definitely um but i like that you know i i definitely with my older game playing tend to you know reach out to weirder and more esoteric stuff generally and so i guess that's because i end up playing that stuff that's kind of what ends up on the list uh, which is fun and i think it's good to give shout outs to games that otherwise wouldn't get the spotlight i guess uh, uh from other places so um always a good time uh let's jump into it bali how about you kick this thing off what is your number 10 goatee t dakota for 2022 my number 10 is a game we both played at the same time earlier in the year and that's if found lovely um so this is 
it's, it's kind of a story about this character and they're kind of in this queer community in the west coast of ireland which is yeah. just fantastic setting for a game that i don't think is really covered in games often if at all that i can even think of yeah um, totally and it's set in the, i think it's like set in the late 80s early 90s uh-huh. 90s i think um but yeah i think this to be brutally honest it's quite hard to remember specific story beats right from there's, there's a lot of like um there's a weird crossover with like a thing happening in space at the same time oh, i think yes. cassiopeia is the name of the character cassio yes um, and they go through lots of you go go through stages of their life and um you know this house and the, the community that they live with and it, i think the family dynamics with the mother is very mm. interesting right like it's that whole like kind of out of touch but also like very conservative mentality um that the older generation in ireland has and don't understand kind of like uh this kind of uh difference um i remember really strongly from this game the feeling and this is this is a this is the story is told through like this very almost like painterly artistic yeah it's got this real style to it and i remember so clearly they articulate the divide between you can either live under your parents your family's house live under their roof and sure you'll be cared for you'll you know you'll have food on the table you have all these things but you know you kind of have to live unto their values and that sucks uh or you can live in this house with other people your age but the roof is leaking and it's freezing and it's miserable but at least you are who you are kind of thing and i think i think it tells that divide quite quite well um and there's not a ton of games that have done that that i've played and i no. thought it was just a really unique unique kind of game and really nice that games like this are, are on switch yeah i think it's a really fantastic one for me it stood out because of the the art and like the music that went mm. along with it and the you know the characters have a band that they play in and so that kind of like builds into the story in some ways and, and the way that it the way that it like flashes words on the screen and the thing it the things it does with it's almost like music videos in some sense of some of the yeah. sequences and i think it's just a very visual way of telling a story um in a game while also having you know very important things to say uh, and you know it being just a a story about marginalized groups that um you know we're seeing more and more of these days which is great but mm. um generally doesn't get as much of the spotlight and uh yeah doing storytelling in a way that i think only games can uh, which is very very yeah, cool, very um, cool game. lots of the touchscreen stuff i remember a lot about this game right of like yeah. your your erasing and your you know changing and when it comes to identity and the erasure of trans identities or of queer identities generally in that era that period of time um, but also still relevant today right like you, you look at the world and fucked up things that are happening and yeah you can clearly see uh you know things haven't changed that much and it's, it's quite mm. um frustrating and, and sad but it's, it's cool to see like the joy that those communities find within themselves and, and amongst community so um yeah. it's, it's kind of story of found family versus family right yeah. which i think is very well found. Done. yeah it's excellent very good uh my number 10 uh is a game that uh, i tried to get into and you know bali you're raving about this and it took me a while uh, i think i bought it when my new pc came in I, I was like oh i don't think i can get into this i'll try it later and then i did try it later and i really did get into it uh number 10 is the pathless ah, um a game right. that uh is very momentum focused right like you are this character with a bow and arrow you are sliding around these huge environments very like 
Zelda, you know, Shadow of the Colossus vibes in terms of the mm. size and scope of the world. But it has to be big because you're moving so quickly through it, right? Your character is using these bow, your bow and arrow to um, to hit these dots, these points that are scattered around the world, and your timing is very important. So you kind of like wind up a meter, and you have to be able to hit it in the right timing um, to give yourself enough momentum to move forward. Um, and you can kind of like fly through the air. You have your, I guess, is is it an eagle? Uh, it's like character? a hawk, yeah, an eagle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this hawk um, that uh, gains elevation doesn't just glide, which is mad. It's like I, I love how you you upgrade your eagle, your hawk, to the point where you, you press a button and the hawk gains verticality just from that button press, like an like a double jump, and you can just keep upgrading that to the point where I think you can do like five, six, seven jumps like in a row, just gaining yeah. verticality and then gliding to the point that you want. It's so cool exactly it's it's very much a think Rivali's um, gale that's a good comparison yeah pretty much and i think that it takes that mechanic uh in a really fun way where you are able to get up to high vantage points and then look around the environment and try and find like spaces which you can explore and places to go i know you did a lot of exploring in this game and found a lot mm. of kind of like the bonus stuff um i didn't i tended to kind of main path it i think part of that was like sometimes just finding some of those areas i found a little tricky of like where exactly are they they do a decent job with like the coloring because yeah. you're like looking for a specific like bright color they really emphasize getting to high places and then looking down at what where you see a little bit of coloring and there's yeah i think i I think i see a little bit coming out of that cave and then i'll go and glide to it explore and then come back kind of thing right because you're activating very breath of the wild i really enjoyed that about it yeah you're activating towers basically and so you are you're you're finding these almost relics that you Mm. then slot into these towers and you need a certain number in order to open up the next level of plateaus basically it's basically like this sequence of like four or five plateaus uh that kind of lead up to the top and then near the end of the game you're on the the sort of top plateau and you can look down on like the other three or four plateaus below you it's just so incredible because when you're on those you can never really see the plateau above you clearly but you can see like down onto the ones behind you which is exactly very satisfying yeah it's it's really smart from a visual standpoint um and like i think for me the puzzles got a little bit rote after a period of time it's like a lot yeah. of like zelda style shoot it on a mirror that deflects to another place and, and like shoot it through these holes and through the holes thing, yeah. yeah and um you know some they were fun and i thought they were good for me they they didn't lean into the strength of the game which was the movement and the speed and it felt weird oftentimes just walking at regular speed doing those puzzles because i'm like oh this is not this is not how this is supposed to feel but also like sometimes i'd want to be quick in those puzzle areas and move from side to side but you run out of your juice very quickly because you haven't been you know shooting those targets around those puzzle areas Mm. so it was this weird mismatch for me that didn't quite work um but the thing that really stood out with the boss fights i thought those were tremendous the whole time right like they have these phases where the first phase you're chasing them down and you're shooting them as they're running and they're this brilliant kind of spectacle of like these these like things on fire and just kind of like running through an area and then each individual fight has its own mechanics where like one's in an arena kind of like bullfight type of thing and one's like you're going around this kind of cylindrical tower while it chases you and tries to get you through gaps and things like that there's there's a huge amount of variety in the types of animals that you face uh, in those fights but also the mechanics that they bring along with them and i thought all of them were excellently done and had great music and and really good atmosphere and all that sort of mm. stuff so really brought it up in my mind i think the pathless is a uh, a really well-made thing and you know i think initially i found it hard because 
the momentum stuff was tricky to to nail right and i was trying to nail it perfect where you know you can get a full circle of momentum and that will give you some kind of boost but if you nail it the halfway point you get like a bonus boost and it's even faster and i think i was just trying to do that bonus every single time and at the very start of the game you're just not used to it so you're not able to get that rhythm that kind of like uh, movement underneath you and so it feels like i kept failing at it and so i was like oh i'm just losing my momentum now so Mm. i think it just takes a bit of time to get used to it but once you do get used to it it has a real sense of forward movement and i think it's um it's very very good so yeah um it's it's a solid game i like the pathless a lot number 10 on my list my number nine is fall guys oh yeah um yeah this came to switch although i actually played it on series x but i mean they became free to play essentially is what i should say and i just had such a great time with fall guys uh i think it was made more positive in my mind by the fact that i managed to actually win a solo match um and recorded <laughs> and i put it on twitter and it's just the most like lucky fluky kind of got, got basically my character got walloped to the finish line um more or less and it was very satisfying um but the the grind to get to that point and like the feeling of just t- tense tight platform forming moments that you are playing against these, these other players and then the feeling of like ah oh, i got knocked out again yeah and we did a bit of like um teams together and that was very fun as well where we're like egging each other on like come on you could do it you, could, you need to finish it. Oh, oh you were one person short and then you're yeah. meeting the finish line and then seeing how good people got at this game after that kind of noob drop-off point after about two or three weeks after it became free to play and i was like wow four guys is really hard now um so yeah i was very satisfied to be able to actually beat that game beat that game can you quote beat unquote game? yeah quote unquote beat that game in the end and it was just a really fun time and like, as we said before in the show like we we kind of rate ourselves as like 3d platformers so to actually have like a free-to-play multiplayer game that's focused on that idea i think we felt like you know this is this is our our own authority being challenged and we need to <laughs> we need to show that we are the, the og nintendo gamers who are into 3d platforming so um i think that added an extra level of spice and yeah, i just had a great time for guys yeah it's, it's the only time i've been mad about losing in a battle royale is fall guy because i'm like i'm better than this all right like <laughs> yeah. i look i grew up on this shit it's not it's not like i was a cs go player playing PUBG and you know doing that stuff because that's you know what those guys are good at um you know i never every time i play apex i'm under no illusions i'm gonna get anywhere close to winning right like it mm. just isn't isn't in my mind same with just any other uh shooting style battle royale game but with four guys it's like I'm I'm good at platforms, man. I know I'm. Do- I can jump. You know, I can I can jump and dive. I d- I played that Mario Odyssey. I got all those moons right. I can do this. Uh, so when you get to the point in Fall Guys where you're like very clearly like getting screwed over because there is like a chaos element to this game, right? Of like, well you know i started at the back of the line and so i don't yes. really have a path through here or like oh this stupid guy just hanged on to me and so i can't there's a lot of luck in there as well and yeah. it's all about kind of pushing your luck almost and finding the course the path of least resistance and knowing where and when that is and when to attack and when to play it safe as it were yeah exactly uh so yeah it's, it's a great game uh lots of lots of fun times yeah. uh, in fall guys for sure great game. my number nine is Klonoa, Daughter Phantom Isle. Uh, so, 
interesting year for me to decide to play this game because they announced a remake for it maybe two weeks after i'd played it um so yeah that was cool this but is I the did playstation play... platformer right 3d yeah platformer. yeah exactly well it's, it's two and a half d right half so d. like uh you know you're walking on a 2d plane still but uh, it has backgrounds and elements and your characters in 3d so yeah it's right it's one of the first uh, of those i would say and um yeah i played the original playstation game as opposed to the remake the remake i believe is based on the wii version so the first remake was um there was a wii version remake of the playstation game that came out on wii and then they basically used that version to do the hd remake of klonoa so it's like a more prettied up kind of like more uh visually in line with like what uh you know a modern version of that would be and i think the second game never got a remake so this is the first time the second game has gotten a remake essentially but both of them are together in a package on switch now Uh, and i highly recommend getting that package i think you know um because having played through the first klonoa it's a really unique fun little game uh, that has lots of cool ideas a lot of weird stuff going on it's a strange universe a strange set of characters um but lots of like interesting little things so the main core of it is that you you're able to kind of grab these uh, you're able to grab enemies and you you hold them above your head and you can use them for extra kind of jumping so you can jump but then you can double jump if you're holding an enemy because you basically throw it underneath you to give you extra kind of leverage so using that using your um your kind of ability to like attach to things uh, and, and get across gaps in that way like it it requires a lot of you in certain areas where near the end of the game you're kind of doing like these timed puzzles where you're jumping with an enemy up to a place to hit a switch to then get the enemy back and you can do these things where you jump in the air throw the enemy off grab another enemy mid-air and then use them to jump again so like there's a there's a way in which you could almost infinitely use these in certain areas if there's like multiple enemies in the sky and you're kind of grabbing them then jumping then getting the extra jump from it like it's it's a really cool kind of chain uh, that you can get going with with the platforming um and generally uh interesting boss fights as well they remind me of sonic rush where like those boss fights were like these kind of like 3d circular arenas you'd kind of run around um and it has a bit of that vibe to it as well the whole game has that kind of curvature to the levels where like you are pressing left and right to move but your character has a kind of like 3d perspective in the way that they kind of curve around levels and you can see stuff in the background actually when you when you grab things you know when you grab enemies or you grab stuff you can turn into the background and grab things from the background and you can throw things into the foreground so like background foreground is being used sounds like um kirby on 3ds a little bit yeah 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 yeah, totally so so it it almost is a 3ds game before a 3ds game in a a weird sense um which i think is very cool and uh, again leads to interesting puzzle solving it's not super long i think it took me like six seven hours maybe um but it was a, a great kind of like ambient game to play handheld and uh yeah just very enjoyable uh, obviously having save states helped for like times where you're jumping and you're like oh i fell in a pit well that would have been annoying to go back to a checkpoint you know if i was playing actually but i made a save state there so haha i got past you um just one of the benefits of playing older platformers with those types of things i think the checkpointing is probably better in the remake because they do updates and things like that to it but uh yeah a really cool game and i really want to play the second one and i will probably wait for that remake to go down in price a bit um because i don't really want to play through the first game again you know obviously it looks prettier um and and stuff like that in the remake but i kind of just want to play the second game so i think i'm going to wait until the price drops on that remake and play klonoa 2 um and then there's a bunch of other klonoa games i want to check out there's a gba game that looks awesome like visually very cool obviously gba games have a style that vibes with me but uh 
yeah i would i would love to see more from this series and hopefully hopefully someone finds a way to bring it back at some point i guess they're trying with the remake and hopefully that sold well enough to where they're like hey let's take a chance on klonoa again let's do another klonoa game so that's klonoa daughter phantom isle my number nine nice um my number eight is hyperlight drifter um this is another game that emmy says like Bally, you've got to play. You got to play this game. You got to play this game. And it's yeah. taken me. It's taken me a while, but I finally got around to Flight Drifter. And... I'm surprised it ended up on your list because I remember us talking about it on the show. And from my recollection, you didn't didn't seem like you hated it, but you seemed a bit more down on it, I guess, in certain aspects. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think um, like the kind of the Zelda aspect of the navigation and working out where to go next and getting the next doohickey to unlock the next area can some was mainly my biggest frustration with it. Whereas I actually thought the combat especially um, really elevates this game to make it on this list, to be honest. And I think like the boss fights and I do like the vibes of the game as much as I didn't like the world, if that makes sense. Where yeah, I think totally. Like, yeah. Um, I think the game thinks it's a very lean, elegant experience, and I just think it lost a bit of that in some of the more finicky, unusual navigation issues that I, I struggled right. with a little bit. But combat-wise, like this must have been one of the first games, if not the first, to do the whole attack physically to gain uh, long-range moves. You know, like to, right, to, to yeah. gain like a shooting and not, is it like a gun you get like multiple different guns? Yeah, you have a gun in Hyperlight Drifter, so it's this fun like risk reward not risk reward but it's, it's kind of like gives you uh, additional options where right. the game has a very rhythmical sense to its combat where when you first start playing you walk to an enemy you're like slice 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 and you're like oh wait the enemy hits me while i'm still attacking them that's bad so you get into this rhythm of like slice slice dodge back dodge back to the enemy slice to, yes. to finish them so there's this like you can't kill them with one combo you basically have to like do a couple of hits then get out of their way and then come back to finish them off and that sense kind of builds through all the different enemies that you fight throughout the game uh, and the bosses as well I, again i agree with you the bosses are probably the highlight of this game they are so well done and just have that they have that pattern recognition thing but also just that sense of like well this is tough but i can get through this if i just play carefully and smart it's tough and they're all very different to each other like there's it's not like oh this this exact type of boss again like i do think the boss bosses vary it up massively yes. and you're right the combat initially it feels very like why is my character almost attacking on this slight delay almost and then you realize like oh actually the, the enemies are also on this slight delay and it's all rhythmical and kind of yeah. like th- happening at the same time as it were and like you said shoot shoot dodge shoot is like a good strategy especially early yeah. on just kind of identifying what gun you like the best and how that matches and yeah it's very cool this game this game came out quite a while ago right like it, it was, was like 2016, 2016 i want to say okay yeah. yeah and it's obviously got it's it, the next game's coming out next year i want to say um right well it's currently in early it's access. going to it's going to go into early access i think is the case so it's not actually out yet but it will come out into early access i know danny o'dwyer over at noclip they are doing a documentary similar to what they did with hades uh they're doing with uh this studio uh on hyperlight breaker which is their mm. their next game which is very different because it's a 3d action roguelike you know like it's um right different territory but like visually kind of similar and obviously um still need to get around to what the hell is it called the other yeah, game that they I made last the year well. yeah. um the 3d platformer yeah. one uh which looks awesome but i just haven't had the chance to um yeah. you know uh so so yeah uh they they are working on something in the same universe let's say but obviously you know hyperlight drifter is a top-down pixel art game so it's very different in scope and scale to what they're currently working on yeah. um 
but, yeah. but if, if you like the combat of games like i don't know death store recently and stuff like this is definitely death store is 100 percent like taking directly from this game with like the whole shoot and yes um, melee attack combo thing that's going for and um i personally prefer Death store but i still think hyperlight drifter is a very good game and would highly recommend it and yeah it definitely deserves to be on this list even if it is a little lower down yeah that's good it was definitely it was one of those i remember when i played it, i was like Henry Z, you have to remember this for the end of the year because i think i played it in like february or march i was like right. you must make this your game of the year okay and it mu- you must remember it uh, and then i did i made sure to do that so and i think it's, it's it's the type of game that's really inspired a lot of games recently i, I just mentioned death store um what's the um unsighted you know yes, like another yeah. one but it has a real focus on combat totally uh, as much as that game is strong in exploration and other things but like i think this the kind of like zelda style but with a focus on combat style of indie game has been quite popular the last yeah. few years and there's definitely more to come and i feel like this is what well, was one of the first who, who kind of like went for that genre so would would definitely recommend it, it feels like they also have like a bit of a souls crossover as well right in terms of difficulty and yeah. things like that you know yeah. like there's definitely that that blend there um of this type of combat generous often like generous checkpointing but very brutal bosses exactly yeah. yes yeah they, they kind of like put you up against the wall because they know that they can throw you against the thing hundreds exactly. of times and yeah. you'll be okay with it um yeah i i generally uh fall on the side i think you do as well of like i would take unsighted over both death door and hyperlight drifter just because of its kind of like puzzles and dungeon stuff as mm. well as the excellent combat because yeah, i think yeah. unsighted has fantastic combat alongside that stuff which is Definitely. kind of what elevates it for me but yeah um, i agree yeah hyperlight drifter is great glad to see it on the list uh my number eight uh could you tell uh, this is a year where i got a uh, emulation handheld my number eight <laughs> is final fantasy dawn of souls the very first final fantasy remade on the gba wow um, cool. a cartridge a cartridge that i remember seeing so many times when i went to wh smith's like my <laughs> memories of going to wh smith's are seeing those i can't believe wh smith sold game boy advance mate games. they did like they had a whole wall of those nes games on gba and i was like those look old and poopy i don't want those i think they were like 10 to 15 quid as well they were like they're pretty the che- i think end. yeah they were 20 quid which oh, i think even quid back then for nes games come the fuck on 20 quid for metroid one like a bit of a joke (laughs) let's be honest what a money maker you know i could have unlocked metroid one if i'd played metroid prime or whatever right um but anyway uh i remember seeing this cartridge dawn of souls a lot and i remember looking at the back of the box and being like wow those sprites look so good because like you know i love fire emblem and pokemon and like sprite art even back then for gba games i was impressed by i remember looking at the back of the box and seeing some of those bosses and be like holy shit this looks amazing but i was just a bit intimidated i think by the idea of what final fantasy was i hadn't really played rpgs at all you know and so it took me a while to eventually get to the series and, and play final fantasy games and get into them and then i was like you know what i should revisit you know my as i've said stated on this podcast many times one of my life goals is to play every final fantasy and every dragon quest right um and so i decided hey let's go back to the first one this gba remake which is in my wheelhouse right like if i play the nes final fantasy i don't think i'd have a very good time but the idea of this gba remake where it's visually kind of speaking to me i thought you know this is this is the way to go and um i absolutely loved it i think it is so cool as a kind of piece of history as a look back on what final fantasy was before it had an Mm. identity right like did they mechanically change much 
they they definitely made it easier right like i didn't have that much trouble it wasn't a difficult game and i think that's different from the nes era where all these games were fucking impossibly hard um so it definitely feels balanced in a way that it's much more approachable but for me the identity of final fantasy is so much built on moogles and chocobo and like the uh sid sid is a character who always comes back and like all these like there are tropes and there are things about final fantasy that has formed its identity in a modern era and back then they didn't have anything so what was final fantasy well it was a fantasy-based game which meant you've got dwarves you've got dragons you've got like elves you know these races that don't really carry through to final fantasy in in the future you know they're very generic uh, typical fantasy races and you know eventually in final fantasy 14 you have like the lalafell who are like the short characters but they're not dwarves you know and you have characters with long ears but they're not elves and, and they have their own markers and like identities for these types of races um but back then they were like no you're just gonna go underground and there's a whole dragon kingdom and there's the king of the dragons and you're gonna do a thing for him and go off and do a dungeon you know and um and that's gonna be what you're gonna do and uh i thought it was very very interesting from that perspective it's obviously like an old game in the sense that its design is like hey go and do this for this guy and you have to find this person and we're not really going to tell you where it is on the map so you probably have to use a guide and you know i i'm someone who grew up uh, playing with game guides right we did that with wind waker constantly and i kind of have a uh, terrified of difficult games yeah totally and i kind of have like a warmth nostalgia for like using a guide to get through a video game and so there's a fun kind of thing in finding a really good game guide and just like going through and playing the game alongside it and that's kind of what i did with this game like there were moments when i was playing on the train where obviously i didn't have access to that so i'd just be like walking around a dungeon and being like i think i can get through this it's probably more difficult but i can probably find my way but then coming back home and like opening up the uh the wiki page for the original final fantasy dawn of souls and they have i love when you see like the full the full map of a dungeon you're like oh finally it's zoomed out and i can see everything you know on this tiny gba screen you get this tiny little like (laughs) snippet of what the dungeon looks like as you go through it you're like oh a full map it's great it just feels great i remember using that for like pokemon dungeons and stuff back in the day of like holy shit all of this put together it's crazy in magazines and and things like that so um it was very fun being like oh okay i can go there because there's a good item there i'll go there and get that um and then i can avoid all this other stuff and you know uh you know use my resources properly and not lose all my characters and yeah it was um it was a very fun time of going through that process and um i think it's interesting to see like all the the bosses in the game and the, the way that they relate to like other D things there's a dragon called tiamat who's obviously like um a, a dragon from D mythology uh, all that sort of stuff is interesting and you see the links and you see the origins of it um and the sprite work is just impeccable combat system very fun like you have this system where you go to shops and you have to buy spells from the shop and depending on what your character is what their magic level is you can either use it or not use it and like i had a mix of i had a healer but then i also had a red mage and the red mage could do both healing and uh, attacking magic but could never get to the pinnacle of either so they could never use like the most powerful attacking spell or the most powerful healing spell so i had to kind of find trade-offs for that um and it was really cool i you know i, I really enjoyed it a lot and that that gba cartridge dawn of souls actually remade final fantasy 1 and final fantasy 2 so i do want to go back and play 2 now because i think that version of it that gba style um really appeals to me and speaks to me on a visceral level so uh, i will i will go back and play final fantasy 2 in the dawn of souls collection sometime hopefully next year is the first game worth an hd 2d remake i think so uh i 
it's weird, right? Because um, Square Enix have made uh, 2D pixel remasters, right, of all yes. these games, and they put them on the Steam, phrase. <laughs> which is just nightmarish. Yeah, and the the text is bad and all that sort of stuff. Like, I would much rather they just ported the GBA versions, if I'm honest, because they look both better and and play uh, similarly, probably. But you know, um, they're, they're my preference, and uh, I don't think that will be the case, just because they are because they're treating these in a way as like a collection like i imagine next year on switch we'll get the collection of all the final fantasy games probably um one through six essentially like on a cartridge and they'll charge 60 dollars for it because that's who they are as a company um and you know that's probably what they're going to do but do they go back in hd 3d one of these games probably uh like Final Fantasy VI seems like one they could do. Final Fantasy IV seems like one they could do. I don't know. I think one of them could get the treatment, but uh, I don't know that the first six one would will. Be cool. Although six is the one you want. You want the seven. You want the seven remake kind of treatment too, don't you? So yeah, like, you do. But I doubt that will ever happen. But anyway, no. Uh, Square has decided who their favorite child is, and we know <laughs> who they are. And uh, never are they going to change. And he's got big blonde spiky hair. Uh huh. Yep. And a big sword. And a big sword. Uh, so a big there sword. you go. So yeah, Final Fantasy, I'm really surprised. Um, very, very much enjoyed it. And it was one of those like comfort RPGs where I'm on the train, I'm listening to a podcast, and I'm just grinding, man. I'm just killing some things in a dungeon. And, you know, it felt real good, looks real nice. Great little game. There you go. All right, my number seven is Mario Golf on the N64. Oh, hell yeah, here we go. On Switch Online. The king um, is back, back in back in your hometown, I exactly. guess. Exactly, and yeah, I was so, like, this is one of my favorite games of my, my childhood and played a lot of it on the N64 and have a lot of nostalgia for this game. And you're always worried that when you do return to a game you have a lot of nostalgia for that you're going to be a little bit, taken aback by how much it's aged poorly and doesn't feel great or anything and as much as the visuals for mario golf do look very 1998 or 9 or whenever this game came out um mechanically it really does hold up and this is like a thing we keep returning to with these n64 games we're like yep graphically they're looking a bit old but honestly mechanically they are holding up really nicely especially the nintendo made one i guess this is camelot but like this game coming off the back of mario golf on the switch from the previous year for last year i was just on such a downer just how bland and boring that game was and mario golf on the nc4 just made me like fall back in love with like golfing games and in particular kind of the, the more cartoony golf games i guess and i just really enjoyed both the tournaments but especially for some reason the match play just really it wasn't wasn't something i really remembered from my childhood but like the match play with these characters this is, that that's how you unlock characters is you like you beat them in match play and then you unlock that character so the progression with the difficulty of these characters that you're playing in match play was so perfect to my skill level to the point where i say against warrior which is one of the earlier characters you you play against like i'd birdie a hole then he'd birdie a hole then i'd birdie a hole and we we would get to like the 18th hole which for match play doesn't happen often so like we would get to the 18th hole knowing whoever wins this hole like wins the entire match and there's this like this tension felt like i was playing a real a real player honestly like and i don't know whether it's the ai just reading what i'm doing or whether it's predetermined i have no idea but that there was just something about the difficulty level that was so perfect with so many of those match plays that i just had such a good time with this game i even unlocked like the final final course of this game 
uh, which I don't think I ever did as a kid. So I've definitely, my skills have improved. Yeah. Um, and God, it was just so satisfying. So nostalgic, but loved it. Now, here's the thing. Were you tempted in those kind of like final moments when it came down to the last hole? Were you tempted to use save states? Did you use save states as you went through this? Did you feel like you had to or, or did you not kind of like I don't think that? I used any save states once, honestly. Wow. Um, yeah, not not within a round for sure. Um, I obviously did it like saving the game regularly between rounds. Yes, yeah, no, yeah. No, I definitely wasn't tempted. Um, and yeah, I think... And had I needed to use save states, I would have definitely felt a little more, little more negative about how difficult and tough like the, those those holes were. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, because the final final course is like like they design a whole hole based on like the sprite of a Goomba or something, and then <laughs> the, the actual hole is like the hot the uh the green is like a tiny 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 green on like the goomba's eye or something and then yeah. so basically the final course is just it looks incredible because you got all these nintendo characters that you're actually playing golf on and different like you're playing like teeing off from yoshi's tail and this kind of thing like it's just <laughs> silly but like as a result the greens that you're aiming for are often so small and they're incredibly flat and hard greens that you can like your ball can easily bounce off into like the sea basically and it's an incredibly tough tough course but um i and i've I've still not won on that course like it's just too difficult but i i just had a great time over all this game and yeah it reminds me that you know going back and playing your nostalgic games can have a huge payoff when it's done in a good way and this game really really hit those vibes for me well um because i was definitely nervous that mario golf wouldn't have held up quite as i had hoped yeah and i think like the switch online service and especially the emulation of n64 games seems quite good um, it's pretty so, good yeah for sure yeah there's like a there's kind of like a cleanness to it right like it's um obviously n64 games had like lots of jaggies and things on crt tvs and all those games were built for those kind of monitors in, in terms of like what they looked like but i i think a lot of them hold up quite well um you know playing stuff on the steam deck now you know stuff like snowboard kids uh looks very clean and and sharp and especially when you go back to youtube videos to look at like what it did look at look like on the n64 it's um they definitely have a bit more rougher edges but uh mm. i think those games can hold up quite well in a, in a modern emulated environment let's yeah say. and we can so. definitely play like multiplayer n64 when like pokemon comes out right yeah we can, we can like yes. play we can play the single cam single player campaign through together on our switches right yeah i believe so but also so you can play against each other and, and stuff like that you know so yeah yeah Looking it's all good to that. it's very well done all right uh my number seven is one that has already appeared on your list it is four guys uh yeah. which uh, i absolutely loved you know i had such a great time playing this it is you know obviously you're talking about how you're finishing the overwatch battle pass this was the first battle pass that i finished was four guys um absolutely uh, delightful game that is also equally made me frustrated and mad as i already <laughs> mentioned right like i was i got to so many points like i remember one in particular the jungle run one where like you're going through the fake doors oh, yeah, bouncing on those goddamn lily pads yeah bouncing on those but like um the the final the finale which is like it's basically like the temple in uh what do you call it that kid show we used to watch uh the monkey uh, island whatever the hell it was oh, called yeah and uh and you're like going through this these doors and some of them are fake some of them are real and like i was ahead of the pack i was like right there and it was the first time i would played it so i didn't really know what was going on and i got to the end and i bounced on the lily pad 
and I was like this, like an inch away from getting the crown. I didn't realize I had to hold on to the crown oh. to get it. So I was like, like right there, I was like, oh, oh no. And then I fell down into the water and a couple of people came after me. They missed it. And then a fourth person came and they're the one that got it. And I was like, fuck, I was so close. You know, so many moments like that where you're like right, right near the end and you don't quite make it. And, um, you know, I remember. So that was um, going to be for an overall solo win. Yes, that would have been for a solo win. Yes, uh, which I still think I've only had one solo win, which was the time that I did it with you. Me yeah. and you got to the final, and um, and Remember I Caroline's to... also had a solo win. By the yeah, way, which yeah, is yeah, yeah, very impressive. Exactly, and, and managed to eke that one out. And but I've had I've had lots of other um, kind of like duos or like teams wins and stuff like that. And the way that the battle pass works is that you get. You get those like crown pieces based on challenges that you do and stuff like that. So I was often playing a lot of the different modes in the game to to get the battle pass up because you got more level and more experience from doing a lot of the different modes they had. There are some fun ones. There was one like the um, right, it reminded me of the Animal Crossing game in Nintendo Land where you had to steal sweets from a base, um, and right. so you had the four guards who were blocking people, and then you had the other people who were invisible and so you know you, you could be invisible but if you were carrying something um or if you were like uh there was some something that you had to be doing that then people would be able to see i think if you're carrying the sweets they can see you carrying them but um you basically had to like sneak your way around this base uh and you know i played that for a good couple of weeks you know when, when that mode was there um and there were other modes as well fun things like lots all the all the games i think have a variety and how good they are some of them less good than others um definitely got frustrated with certain ones like the volleyball one where it's one versus one and you're like against oh, this God, other person yeah. on the other side and it's like oh my god am i it's just so random it feels like in a way that some of the games are very weak um but the strong yeah. ones are just so strong exactly and um you know i i just it was one of those like for a month or so every night i was like let's play half an hour to 40 minutes of fall guys and it was always yes. a good time you know i always had yeah. a great time doing it and um you know i was playing on switch as well as pc so i was bouncing b- between them and having the cross play thing where you could do that and also like playing with you when that was possible that was a good fun time for us both like going for the wins but also sometimes doing a bit of uh together stuff and i would like to do a bit more of that you know uh i think it would be a good game to jump back into and i got enough currency from the battle pass itself from just doing it that i could just buy the next battle pass whenever i want to whenever i want to jump back in and play more fall guys which i don't know when that will be or if it'll be anytime soon um because i kind of got my fill i was like yeah this i played like a good 25 30 hours of this which to do a battle pass in a game that's pretty fucking rapid you know it's like a hundred levels and um i think there was one point where the xp was double xp and so I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm just absolutely rocketing through. I remember one night I went like from, I went like 10 levels up one night because of just the double XP stuff going on. So I was like, all right, well, uh, this is this is working out for me. So um, yeah, lots of fun costumes. I fucking spent money on costumes in this game for fuck's sake. I bought a Gata Roboto. I'm, I'm, t- I'm dressed up as I.I. from Monkey Ball. <laughs> um, I do have to say their, their, their cosmetic stuff is really good. Yeah. And it's one of those games where I don't feel bad about cosmetics because... You know, Overwatch is all fun and great, and they have exceptionally designed outfits, but then you play most of the game in fucking first person, so <laughs> you, you barely see them, right? Like, it's always been my problem with skins in first person games. It's like, well, this is fucking stupid, because, like, I never see my skin. Um, it doesn't stop me from being obsessed with them. I'm, of course I am, but um, at least in Fall Guys, it's a third person game, so you get to see your skin the whole time. Yeah, at least you see the back of your, your yeah. incredibly immaculate costume. Totally, totally. Um, 
yeah overwatch skins only really come into it when it's either play the game or it's the end of the match and you see yourself standing there also dances and stuff or like emotes also for when you get play of the game and you get your little intro like that's when you want to show off your costume you know? exactly yeah you want a cool costume and you want a cool highlight intro for play of the game is what you yeah, want really exactly. um but anyway, Fall Guys, I think one of the best battle passes that I've played in terms of making me want to do it and having incentives to do it and like having a fast progression through it. Like it's a... Uh, Overwatch could learn a lot of lessons from how good Fall Guys battle pass is because Overwatch's battle pass is frankly a bit shit, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, uh, it really is. And yeah, Fall Guys could teach them a few things. So I hope they... I hope Overwatch and Blizzard figure that out. But yeah, mm. Fall Guys is my number seven. Very nice. Uh, my number six is dead cells uh hell yeah another game from the list of mbz value you need to play this game list um and i it took me a long time to beat dead cells because i kind of like played it very intermittently for like months at one Probably point at I feel least like six to eight months you were playing dead cells yeah. really wow um and then i kept tripping away and then i was like right i just need i'm i, I just decided like right in these next two weeks i'm beating dead cells that's all there is to it i'm beating this game and i do think you gain a little bit more like understanding of um like all the different weapons and yeah. having it close to in the top of your memory of like what weapons i like what i dislike what my strategy is which rooms to go to because i eventually just found like my route i liked and just repeated that route um which you're able to do in dead cells basically uh and yeah it was just kind of like I could feel myself getting closer and I didn't actually know what the final area was but then eventually I was like right well this is like I think it's called like the castle or something like right right this kind of is hinting at the fact that this is probably the last level before the final final boss and then I think I got to the final boss two or three times getting absolutely annihilated by the boss and then I was like right why am I I'm going to try a different strategy. I'm just going to... I like a lot of the red weapons. So the weapons that, like... They're kind of, like, pure... They're often, like, bleeding and power-based weapons. And I was like, right, I'm only going to invest in red and see how I do with that. And then I completely eviscerated the final boss Uh the second I I mixed that up, which was very satisfying. And, yeah, as I said on the show when I beat the game, it wasn't as impactful as Hades, but like I'm so glad I played Dead Cells because it is still a really cool, just having that roguelike style of game to add it to like a kind of Metroidvania style world. Um, really cool stuff and like really satisfying when you really you can play around with the weapons that you collect and what you're going to upgrade, what you're going to pick up and this kind of thing. And it's also quite nice being able to maxim- maximize your healing between levels. I know you can't do that in kind of like the, the pro version of the, the post game, but um, yeah, if you have the boss cell, then it makes it basically you get to, uh, you get to the end of the first level and it's like, Oh, the jar is literally broken. It's just been smashed <laughs> yeah. and there's like one potion on the floor and that's all you get, oh, um, which yeah. is, uh, interesting for sure makes it harder definitely uh more more intimidating but yeah it's you know this game is fantastic and i'm, I'm glad you finally got around to playing it. and you're right like you do because i was like yeah Bally, you're not i don't think you're gonna finish this game if you keep playing it in like one one run every three weeks like yeah. if you're just you need to build up muscle memory the game is yeah. fucking hard right like you need to build up that idea of like what your build is that you like you know what you're gonna focus on learn the areas learn the enemies of course um yeah you you definitely need to play it in a concentrated period of time in order to really kind of bust yeah. through that ceiling yeah. um and yeah i'm glad you finally committed to it and, and got there because it is it's a very satisfying experience and i think the the movement is one of those things that for me took me a while to get used to the kind of heavy 
kind of he's very weighty as a character um and so like just the jumping is a little bit lower than i usually expect from characters like that. i i still never i beat that game without ever getting the wall jump yeah that's crazy i don't um, i can't remember what i and then i guess that's the downside of my strategy of like i like this route and i try and stick to this yeah route. and i did go off the beaten path a few times but often i just get my ass kicked and be like right this isn't worth it i want to beat this game like I, exactly. i'd rather just go through the areas that i'm more confident you know in. what i'm pretty sure i actually got the wall jump after finishing the game as okay, well because I, I think well the thing was like i came back to it and i beat it third time so i was like oh okay and then i decided to keep playing it because i really enjoyed it so that's when i went off and got the movement abilities so running up walls and you know doing the electric one that zaps you places All and right. stuff like that i so, do have the electric yeah. one or did but yeah yes yeah cool. yeah good uh, stuff dead self love it awesome uh my number six is another one that you've already had on your list uh, my number six is if found nice. uh, i i really love this game i thought it had such an impactful story excellent writing across the board you know i think that's the thing that really elevates it and obviously a lot of these games narratively um you know stuff like citizen sleeper from this year there's no voice acting in these games mm. but the writing is really what takes it to that next level and kind of elevates it above everything else and um i think that's the impact it had on me is that as well as I was a big fan of the touchscreen stuff, uh, which I know you didn't engage with as much, but like mm. just that that kind of like tan- tangible feeling of being able to kind of connect directly with the story through that mean, I think, you know, is a way, again, that video games can only do storytelling um, and the way that you're kind of like going through these letters and notes. I remember the whole like section where you know as you're going through the diary you're kind of like erasing things as you go through um, and new things appear underneath and it's just a very clever kind of diegetic way of storytelling and i thought that it was very very effective in, in what it got across and again you know these these types of games tend to not overstay their welcome they're usually just like a tight three four hours and that's exactly what i found is it's like it it has a through line it knows what it's trying to say it tells a story um and it and it makes it kind of like in and out uh, in, in a short kind of very very uh digestible and uh impactful uh, little package and uh yeah i i really want to play more games like this and i, I want to see more games like this in the industry and there are lots around there which is good um and uh yeah i just i really liked it a lot so again we talked about it a lot when you mentioned it so i don't mm. know if there's a huge amount more to say but um i just recommend people check it out it's on switch and i think that is probably the best version to play because of the touchscreen stuff just there's a there's a personal like i remember playing it in bed like having it very close yeah. lights off you know mm. there's kind of really a connection nice. that you really have with the game and the screen up close like that, that i thought was impeccably well done and, and yeah very very I remember playing it earlier this year before Bally Jr. was born, and I, when I actually was able to play video games in bed. <laughs> yes, yeah. And it was one of the last video games I played in bed. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. so it has that very association. Nice. More short games. We love short games. Yes, please make them. All right. Um, I think, Bally, we should take a quick break, uh, and then we can come back and get into our top five. So we'll be back in a minute. See you in a bit.
Welcome back, folks. Uh, it's time to get into our top five Goatee T Dakota. Uh, so it's uh, it's a fun time here at the show, Bali. Uh, this is where it gets serious. This is where big. the uh, the big. big big decisions have to be made. Let's start with your number five. What is it? My number five is Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Okay. Um, I wanted to play this game ahead of Sparks of Hope. Um, loads of people, including yourself, Henry Zed, raves about this game from 2017. Yeah, um, it came out in a brutal year, though, didn't it? I don't brutal. think it even made my top 10 in 2017 <laughs> right, exactly. because of how hard it was. Um, yeah. And it's a really good game. It is really, really good. It's very long. It's challenging. It's strategic. And... It's just bizarre seeing Mario in a world with rabbits for the first time. Uh huh. Um, yeah. And I mean, I don't, lo- I don't love, love, love like the idea of Mario plus rabbits, but the fact that the game is strategically so addictive and well made was just phenomenal. And I, I, I think it's just such a good game. It's so much more challenging than Sparks of Hope, and obviously we're going to yeah. talk about Sparks of Hope in our game of the year discussion, but like. Where this game um, maybe doesn't have quite the the pizzazz and the the world building that Sparks of Hope does, it definitely has the the strategic challenge um, that was arguably right. a little missing from Sparks of Hope, I might say. Um, and I think that Kingdom Battle is just the most. It's just so well made. It's so well made. It's so challenging, and it, it's so cool to play like a strategy game like this with mario characters is not it feels fun i mean i would i like this game more if it just didn't have the rabbits and was just mushroom kingdom battle um maybe i don't know i did that'd be interesting i don't think so if i'm honest i think part of the charm of this series honestly is like the rabbits have a dumb humor to them that i do appreciate right like there is a there's a childlike inherent stupidness to the rabbits that like look i actually enjoyed the despicable me movies right i know people like to dump on them all the time but i really like them like i think they're actually quite fun um and they have like a chaos to them that i think obviously worked for kids but i think there's a, a way in which like you can you can still enjoy that uh, as as an older person and um i think the rabbits kind of have that like i mean especially in sparks of hope like making them talk now is just like rabid peach being a valley girl is the funniest <laughs> fucking thing in the world holy shit like, I, mu- I must admit rabbits overall have grown on me and like by yes. the time i played sparks of hope i'm like this works this world works and in, in yeah. kingdom battle originally it felt a bit jarring but in that kind of like zany weird unusual world that they've built i must say like the opera singer battle like the highs of sparks of hope never reach the highs of the yeah. opera singer battle which is right. a shame and we can talk about that game later but like i think musically is just generally like the soundtrack for the oh. first game is so much stronger than oh well, yeah game. yeah but that but that opera singer battle is so quirky and strange just thematically it is funny it's strategically very challenging and difficult and yes. you really have to know what you're doing and think um and it just comes at a point where you're not really expecting it in the game. Yeah, totally. You're expecting a boss, obviously, but it's not like the final boss of the game. And he like dunks on Mario and talks about Mario's history yes. and stuff. Like, and it's yes. really well written and funny. It's 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 
so unnecessarily awesome um yeah and i think that's what a lot of this game is is it's like wow this game didn't need this level of polish and cutscene joy in this moment but it still has it and it delivers and it, the game just keeps on delivering i think the final boss is also very fun in kingdom battle and yeah i just really enjoyed mixing up characters i will say like i didn't love the whole if you want to mix up characters, you kind of have to invest money in characters. Yeah, like the, the weapon system and stuff was exactly. a little frustrating. Yeah. Um, I also don't think you can re-skill skill trees. Like once something's bought, it's yeah. bought. Um, and both those aspects were fixed in Sparks of Hope, which was really satisfying to see. But um, yeah. that's not to say that the first game, Kingdom Battle, was, was a very, very good game. And I'm happy to say it made my number five. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's it's the similar conversation to people will have about God of War this year of like, well, you know, the second one probably better, but the first one was the Impact one, and I think yeah, Impact versus better game. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, I totally. Agree. Um, so so I think yeah, probably as well because you played this before Sparks of Hope came out, the Impact probably hit you a bit harder when you because a brand new concept and idea, right? Yeah. Like when it first happened. Yeah. So really it makes cool a lot stuff. of sense. Um, awesome. I also played the Donkey Kong Adventure DLC earlier this year. DK DLC. Yes, for Mario Plus Rabbids, which was um, which is also very cool, and I think like they have DLC planned for Sparks of Hope, um, which hopefully adds new mechanics. Like three waves, I think I want to say. Yeah, there's like Rayman's going to be in it and stuff, and I think that's um, yeah, that should be interesting because like the DK stuff, they changed the whole mechanics of how things worked, where he basically picked up characters and could toss them. He like threw them across the the field, which was a fun little addition that I thought was very neat. And um yeah, I, I hope that they can do more interesting stuff like that with uh with Sparks of Hope. My number five is the the legacy, the saga, the behemoth. Um I don't really know how to categorize it. Uh like everything I've played up to this point in Final Fantasy fourteen so far is, is oh, my right. number five. So I'm going to say Realm Reborn and Heavensward because I've just started Stormblood, the third expansion. Um, so I'm what? God, these the names of these expansions are so unbelievably difficult for me to remember in my mind. They all they're sound, so simple, man. You just they're put two easy. two fantasy words together, and that, uh-huh. that's 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 what they are. It's very easy. Heavensward, you know, you're going towards heaven. Look, very simple concepts here. Um, so uh, I, I mean, I started playing fourteen like last year, and I like played a good amount of it and then i ended the free trial and um because i accidentally i look i bought the game thinking i could continue the free trial but when you buy the game you then have to actually pay for the subscription i was like well that's stupid so i ended up not doing it and everyone's talking about it. then endwalker came out end of last year square enix literally took the game off of sale because it was so fucking popular that they couldn't sell it anymore their servers were burning down with new people playing it it was just having a moment and so i waited for that moment to kind of die down and i was like all right this is my year. This is year where I do it, where I jump into Final Fantasy fourteen and I play it all. And um, I've I've done it. Look, I haven't played it all. I've, I've got a good dent in it. All right, I've played. I think Steam says one hundred and thirty hours, but that doesn't count my previous time. So if I click, it's one of my favorite things about this is <laughs> in the game itself. If you type slash playtime in the game, it tells you your exact playtime of being in the world. Oh. Uh, so. Oh. I think it said five days, 11 hours, which I think is 130 hours, actually. So I think Steam is slightly behind. I think it's, Steam says like 120 something. So I need to, I basically need to, um, the Steam counts it being played even if the login screen is open because it's an MMO. There's like, uh. once you click play on Steam, it opens a login screen. 
So what I need to do in order to sync my hour count is to just leave it on that login screen for like seven hours and then Steam's number will catch up with the actual in-game number and my brain will be at peace finally and, and I'll eventually do that. But uh, yeah, I've played like 130 hours of this thing this year um, and obviously, you know, I've not talked about it on this show. I've talked about it a bit on our Nintendo show but, you know, a game like this is... It's an MMO, right? It's endless. It's huge. It's enormous. There's so much stuff to do and, like, to engage with. And I have always had a fondness for MMOs in a way that, like, I kind of grew up with RuneScape and Adventure Quest and stuff like that. Like, PC, kind of, like, light MMOs. I never played World of Warcraft, but I, I always loved the idea. I always... I remember going to my uh, cousin's house um, and, you know, going to, you know, uh, web random websites and just finding free MMOs and stuff like that. You know, I there's... you playing that, like, space one where you're, like, mining... O-game? O-game, there we go. I don't know that I would call O-game an MMO necessarily, okay. but it's a... Um, it is definitely within that arena, I guess. I always, you know, have dabbled in this. And, you know, something about 14 is just so relaxing. It's just, like, the chillest game possible. You're just, like in these worlds with beautiful music and it looks gorgeous and there's this fantasy theming to it and even just running around is nice like you know just there's something about it that's like if you had a stressful day or if you just like you just want something to just relax into and not really think too hard it's just like just just jump into 14 you know go fishing i remember last year i spent like four hours just sitting there listening to podcasts fishing it was fucking it's one of my favorite moments in games that year of just like chilling out and doing nothing and um and and i think for me that is the appeal of mmos and the draw of them and i guess like i think the reason this hasn't like hit with me as hard so far is i am focusing very much on the story because the story is the thing everyone talks about it's like the thing about this game that everyone loves and i like it i think that has, the story is good it hasn't ascended to me to the heights that a lot of people talk about and i think that will happen when i get to Shadowbringers. that's like the expansion that that was the one when i started hearing people go crazy about 14 was when Shadowbringers came out people were like this is the best final fantasy story ever told i was like oh okay i'm paying attention like i, I would like to see that but then also Shadowbringers is the third expansion and i have just finished the first expansion and i already put 130 hours into this game right so like getting to that point is gonna be a journey um but i've enjoyed the journey so far right like i think the characters are all really interesting they haven't quite like hit me on an emotional level yet and there are some moments where like uh you know end of heavensward like some character dies and i'm like yeah i've been with that person for 140 hours or whatever i don't really feel anything i don't know like i feel like they haven't connected me strongly enough which is sounds like an indictment but i think that like with the slow nature of the storytelling in this game and the way that it evolved over the years because you've got to remember this is a game that got rebooted in 2014 and so this has been going for like eight years now this reboot of the game so it's like over the time they got better at it they improved the storytelling and the writing and the characterization all that sort of stuff so they're still like finding their feet at this point in time with heavensward because heavensward came out what 2016 i want to imagine so it's still like a, a little bit of time until they get into like what they the peak of the series when it when shadowbringers came out um and uh and i think that it's something that i want to keep going with and I, I have really enjoyed and i think is a journey it's it's more about it's my favorite brandon sanderson quote it's it's a journey before destination right like it, it that's what this game is um and i think that like all the stuff like going and doing uh you know activities and the um the the gold saucer where you can gamble and, and fun stuff like that and just hang out in the world and sometimes you just come across people you know you'll just like be in a raid with somebody and like or you'll be you know doing a uh you know a, a multiplayer thing where you're going through a dungeon with multiple people 
and you know it's that little bits of human connection that mmos still have where you'll just find somebody and you'll just start talking to them just you know chatting through the text box and you know there have been moments where i've like been on a random quest just on my own and there's no one around and i fight this thing and some guy just starts helping me i'm like oh that's cool i like say thank you to them you know this is is this nice little reminder that the world is living and there are people all around it and they're just kind of like popping in and out here and there and you know there was a dungeon we were doing uh, where I, I jumped in and you know we were dying on this one boss and the person was like hey guys okay i think i know what to do here you need to do this and you need to when he does this move just stand still and don't attack and i was like oh okay i didn't realize that and then you know just people in the community are very helpful they're very nice they're never they're ne- like there's something about this game in particular where people are just very welcoming uh which is the opposite of every other online space on the internet where like people won't get mad at you they'll be like hey in case you didn't know this is how this works and you'll be like oh that's nice you were actually like polite um which is just you know it's it's something that i think is very rare and i think the 14 community generally is just a very nice one and it's a nice one to hang out in um and, you know there's weird stuff where like in order to do do dungeons you have to have people online playing with you and so you have to kind of wait in a queue so there have been times where i've been sitting there for like 20 minutes waiting in a queue and i'm just like on my other monitor just like watching a youtube video waiting for it to start stuff like that but you know it's all part of the kind of relaxed nature of the game and i I don't mind it that much Um, and they are including they're updating it to include stuff like you can play with npcs now so certain um i think when i was playing heavenswood they added the ability for npcs to do dungeons with you so you didn't have to wait in a queue anymore um which was nice but um i do like playing with other people in this game as as light as it is and you know the story has continued to be very interesting it's very political as well like it's there are multiple different nations and there's this history of war in the continent and like there is a lot of maneuvering behind the scenes um lots of that sort of stuff and i think it's well done there is a lot of generic fantasy tropes here as well and that's kind of my least favorite part of it where there's this one thing with these two eyeballs that like grant power and like they get rid of them like three times they keep coming back and i'm like this is just come on guys do something different you know some of the fantasy stuff gets a little bit tropey but the character work has continued to improve and and i'm looking forward to continuing my journey i hope that i'm in a place next year where i come back on this list and final fantasy 14 is my number one game that's where i hope to be basically next year Uh, but i'm not quite there yet but i have really enjoyed my time look i'm not going to have put 130 hours into a game that i don't enjoy so i I, it had to be on this list somewhere i thought slap bang in the middle number five that's where i'm going to put my experience so far with final fantasy 14 with a realm reborn and heavensward i've enjoyed it a lot so i'm going to continue to play it so there you go my number four is kaze and the wild oh shit here Um, we go finally here i moaned for ages about the goddamn price of this game yeah i think it was was it 26 28 it was double the price on switch than it was on steam oh, which, God. Which I 26 was pounds or something on on switch and yeah uh, you notified me that hey badly it's on sale for like i think it was half price i can't remember but um i was i nabbed it up for a decent price and yeah it's an incredibly strong 2d platformer of the uh donkey kong country mold uh and it's really not much more than that. And it doesn't need to be more than that. And it doesn't try to be more than that. And that's what I love about it. It's I think it's slightly easier than, say, Deiki... Deiki? Kong! DKC2. And maybe even 1. 2 is fucking hard, though, Donkey Kong Country 2. I remember you had a hard time with it. It was miserably hard. Tropical Freeze is a cakewalk compared to that game, honestly. But also Tropical Freeze is just much more well-designed than that game, so... 
Uh, but Castle in the World Mask is kind of on a level with like Returns and Tropical Freeze. Like it's a challenging but fair but satisfying game. Um, mm. And it's just some really nice sprite design and some nice power ups. And there's this one power up where you become like you put on like the dragon mask because you got all these different masks and each mask is like a DKC ability essentially. Yeah. Although the the, the dragon one almost makes it a bit like. Um, the the, the minecart rides where you it's an auto runner and you uh, are just jumping and ducking and diving basically and it's very cool stuff like there's some really nice level design in there and the music's good the sound design's great there's it's got identical collectibles to to dkc with like the kong letters you have the kaze letters right yeah there's two secret levels and i per level and i did a hundred percent of this game i absolutely loved it that much that i just did everything and i don't often do that in games i've not even done that in like donkey kong country games but there's something bite-sized and manageable about the way this game presents itself that really appealed to me that made me want to do all those things and if you're into 2D platformers or even DKC, even more so DKC platformers, like I cannot recommend this game highly enough. Definitely went under the radar. Like I don't think yeah. I've ever listened to a podcast talk about this game, to be honest. Um, and... No, it had some buzz around when it came out, which is how we kind of got right. aware of it. I think Nintendo Life gave it like a nine or a ten or something, and um, so everyone was like, "Oh, this is like a an indie Donkey Kong game that's really nailing it." But yeah, after that, it seems to have maybe stuck to nintendo circles and not really broken out of that i would say yeah, yeah you're right totally um and i guess we are a nintendo circle over here and we, yeah i cannot recommend this highly enough it is so good and i know that there are a few dkc fans who listen to the show so definitely check this one out that's kaze and the wild masks well look bali you you were you were right about tropical freeze so i'm, I'm willing that's to right. um definitely ju- dive into this I it's think obviously that... it's not reaching the echelons of tropical freeze but yeah, it, it's yeah. a very solid one of those yeah that's great and, and i um i think i was convinced by the video you posted where it was like an auto runner level right, where you're yeah. like doing a bunch of jumping and dodging and stuff like that and i was like oh i do like those kind of like rayman style levels where the music mm, was happening yeah, and stuff like that yeah. so um, i would like to pick this up at some point definitely i'm gonna keep my eye out on some of these winter sales and see but definitely would would love to play cars in the wild masks it seems like a um you know there are these indie studios often making like versions of nintendo games that nintendo refused to make anymore um and it's often the older ones but like it's been a while since tropical freeze oh, right a and, long you know, time, yeah nine um, years 2013 i would say oh my god i think it was 2014, 2014? yeah okay, so, eight so years, still eight years still um, crazy my god um awesome my number four is chrono cross the radical dreamers edition uh which technically is uh, a new game because it's a remake but uh it's an old game look that's what i count this as it's it's an old game you are disqualifying it from our discussion next time yeah exactly yeah 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 um look it's it's, you know it's it's a it's a prettied up version it still looks like a ps uh one game ps1 right um prettied up ps1 game yeah yeah um so i went into chrono cross thinking you know this is kind of a black sheep of a video game in square enix's history in like the chrono history like chrono trigger is revered as one of the great games of all time and chrono cross is like yeah some people liked it but mostly it was forgotten and not many people talk about it and i really don't understand that honestly like i think chrono cross is exceptionally good i think it is so unique in like a variety of different ways so many ways that i actually had to last night go back and listen to myself talk about it on the episode where uh it came out and we were discussing it because i'd forgotten just how many things that had done that were different and stood out and were like modernizations in the genre or different things that other games don't do right like 
the idea of having so many varied different party members that you can come across this like whole multiverse thing where you have these two separate realities you're switching between and two different variations of each character and you can take the character from one world to the other <laughs> you know have conversations between those two versions of themselves and weird stuff like comes up uniquely dialogue from from those exchanges um the whole battle system where it uses this stamina system where you know you attack with a weaker move and it uses less stamina but it'll do less damage or you kind of risk it and you do a more powerful move takes up more stamina but there's like a lower percentage chance to hit and you build up that percentage by hitting so you can use the weak move to hit and then the percentage goes up and then you can use the strong move and it's this balancing act between that as well as the magic that you have at your disposal so the systems where you know each magic has a color assigned to it and and each color is weak or powerful against a different one and there's this kind of like back and forth between them just a really unique and fun system um, alongside just a lot of the quality of life stuff that the game does in terms of its leveling system where everybody levels together on this kind of base star system that you don't need to you know a game with 40 characters you don't want to be having an octopath traveler situation where you're like well you know they're sitting on the side um but i'm gonna to have to level them you know if i want to use them it's, it's nothing like that and i think it's a streamlining that makes sense and is smart um and yeah i, I just love the variety of places you go to the story that it tells like the big twist in the middle of this game that i had no idea about that was like changed everything and i was like oh like how did i <laughs> like this is a it's like a big moment and i think a lot of people think of lots of famous moments in games like that where there's a big twist in the middle and rpgs especially you know you think of stuff like final fantasy 6 7 has a big one uh you know kotor uh nice the old republic has a big well-known one like all these big twists in video games from rpg perspective and i hadn't really heard of chrono crosses one i think it's because no one talks about this game and i think that's a real shame um and, and I, I hope that this game coming out in this remastered form has at least put it on more people's radars because it is super unique and different and just stands out in a lot of ways that i found really really cool um and uh, do you know if it sold okay I don't know. I, I'm not sure that Square Enix puts out numbers that transparently mm. for how well their games sell. Um, obviously, Nintendo does that, so that's why we know like how much Octopath has done, because I believe they published Octopath, so oh, there are right, certain yeah. games that get that treatment, but I don't know. I would imagine probably not very well on Steam, and the reason is is because technically it's not like amazing. Like the One of the drawbacks of this edition is they... Like it's a PS1 game, but they still have like slowdown, and it's still like not super optimized, and it almost runs like a PS1 game would have done. You know, with a lot of these I other remasters, to be authentic. Yeah, sure, I guess. Um, <laughs> but with a lot of other remasters, they they add like speed up modes and stuff like that. And I think this game does have that. I'm pretty sure it has like those things, but it does. Oh, it, this frame rate can't keep up sometimes with it, and it's it's a little bit rough. So I played it on Switch, uh, and that was you know a good way to play it handheld and stuff like that. But people on Steam are very harsh when it comes to these technical misgivings. And if you're a remake and you don't have like a 60 FPS mode and stuff like that, people are going to be mad. And so I don't think it did well on Steam because of that. Um, whereas it probably sold okay on Switch, probably best on Switch, I would imagine. That's the type of audience this is speaking to mostly, which is hardcore RPG people. Um, so I, I think it's probably done okay, probably not enough for them to reconsider doing another Chrono game. I don't even know what they do. Like, I feel like Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross are so different as video games. There's obviously crossovers between them and references, and all of those are really cool. Um, and, you know, like, just the ways in which you get characters in, in Chrono Cross is really unique and interesting. But I 
I wonder what they would even do. Like, what do you do with a new Chrono game in 2023, you know? Like, what it, what does that look like? I, I have no idea, but um, I am very, very glad that I went back and played this because it is... I think it deserves to be talked about in the same breath as Final Fantasy VII as a game that really was doing something different and stood out and was modern in its approach um, and just is so much fun. Like, it's just full of weird, strange characters. There's, like, fucking, like, weird Olimar Pikmin guy who comes on your team at one point, you know? Like, you have these bizarre people who just join your your crew and... uh, and it, it's really uh it's really well made uh, and i and i think that it's one of those games that has stood the test of time and i think should be remembered more fondly so hmm. i urge people if you're an rpg fan and you have not played chrono cross yet this is a great remake and also pricing wise it was really well priced when it came out like it was 15 quid or something which almost never happens with like nintendo remakes of games so um definitely go support it support the uh the developers and, and hopefully we'll get you know a new version and i still have to play radical dreamers which is the satellaview uh game that came as a part of this as well that had never been localized outside japan before so um definitely want to check that out but uh chrono cross play it it's great nice my number three is lake oh yeah um, yeah i think this was maybe the first or second game i finished this year um i remember playing it in I had a few more days left in January before going back to work and I was just like, I just want to play a short game to kick off the year and, you know, I've been meaning, this game only came out last year, uh, 2021 and I was like, right, I want to get to it, it's on Game Pass and, yeah, so Lake is about like this um, woman who, she works in the city, she works in like tech in the city but this is tech in like the the late 80s I want to say so it's like hilarious like large computers and big phones and things and she's like needs an escape and her father who works in the country as a post postman um he's going on holiday and she offers to cover his postman slots and sort of take holiday at the same time but while working weirdly um and yeah it just you deliver post each morning and interact with all the characters in this like little town around this lake uh and that's about it really because it's kind of like if you almost take the kind of stardew valley idea where you wake up and of course the economy is satisfying all the 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 money making in stardew valley is satisfying but on a separate level the waking up the vibes the music the process of doing your chores and then talking to people in town it, it basically ticks all those boxes but without the whole economy of a game like stardew valley because you wake up You've got your jobs to do and you're just driving around this van, the post van with the radio on and it's just really, really chill and relaxing. It's really, It really portrays a romanticized version of the American country, totally. Like This is how a lot of city dwellers, I imagine, imagine like the American countryside or like mm. in the mountains, you know, like it's very picturesque. Uh, not a ton of bad stuff happens in this town, to be honest, and maybe that's pretty unrealistic, but um, it's chill you make decisions there's characters you interact with your boss who's like in the city is nagging you to to write up and do stuff in relation to your work and you can either like embrace that or you can push him away and be like no i'm I'm now a country um guru kind of person i don't want to be involved in this business anymore and you kind of make decisions and there's relationships as well but at its core it's just chill listening to radio driving around delivering packages and mail and it's just really really chill i think it's like a six to seven hour game and 
it's maybe not for everyone but it's definitely like if you like those vibes of stardew valley where you do you do like processes you know with like some nice music playing that's what this game's all about and it's i really loved it a lot more than i thought i might yeah it just sounds like just a slice of life game basically where there's not really much conflict or tension it's just like you just do this job and you go around and from what you've been saying the music sounds excellent um, yeah and that's something that i would love to dig into i definitely want to check this out at some point i think it's a, a very cool idea for a game and um you know i think again when we're talking about games like if found just narrative games that don't engage in stuff like combat or like stuff like that it's just it's just telling stories and just about people and regular there's a mundanity to it right like there's a way in which games are now addressing mundanity in a in a sense that i find very fascinating um and just telling stories in that way which makes me wonder like how does this game end like you know i'm interested to see like where does it go on that level um or if it just kind of yeah Mm. And very much like you learn where everyone lives and you're like, right, that person lives here, that person lives there. And I got into like a routine where I'd I'd follow the same route with my post van and everything. I'd be like, "Ah, actually, I'm going to change the route today. And like, it was like a big deal just to change the route and just little silly things like little things Well, that's such a real thing though, right? Like when I was driving to work every day, there is a like familiarity, a Mm. a safety that you associate with a route that you drive. And then sometimes a roadblock comes up and I'm like, okay stressful now now i have to get out my (laughs) gps i have to figure out where am i actually i have like pull up on the side and like (laughs) oh god panic mode almost you know um so i think that that's a it's a fun way to emulate something that's definitely very real uh that people go through right um totally totally. yeah lake i I don't think this one's on switch maybe maybe i could be wrong i can't remember i'm not um, sure it feels like it could be on game pass and i would highly recommend it great game lake if you just want something a bit more chill awesome uh, I've had a last minute change here, Bally. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. I just took my number three and put it to number one. So uh, okay. anyway, so <laughs> I was I was going back and forth on this one for a while. So I've just been like, you know, being a bit chaotic. Um, okay, so I'm going to say that. So my number three. My number three is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, nice. Holy you shit. This year. Uh, yeah, so I, I, obviously this game came out last year and uh, didn't do very well. I think like marketing mm. on it was not great and stuff like Critically that. Critically did well. Yeah, people were like really enjoying it and, and very into it. And um, I heard lots of people talk about it around Game of the Year time. And I thought, you know what? I want something to play over Christmas break. What am I going to get? I'm going to go to the Epic Store. I'm going to use that free £10 that Epic gives me to give even more discount on a game that has just come out. And I think I got it for like 20 quid, which was like for a brand new game that had come out like a month ago. It was a fucking steal, a bargain. Um, and so I uh, I dived into it, and this, again, was one of those games that was really one of the first big games that I was tested on my PC, and holy shit, it's gorgeous, like, absolutely fucking stunning. The environments in this game, just the alien worlds and the planets and the just the creativity behind how cool they look is off the charts. The art design team on this game just deserves a medal because everything, every place you go to is just, like, jaw-droppingly gorgeous um, and has just such creativity to its places and spaces and i think for me the thing that really sold me on this game was that combination alongside the characters and the character dynamics in this game and obviously you know it's kind of marvel so they are kind of chatting constantly and there's back and forth but it's just really well written you know like there's something i think about marvel movies that the short time length that you spend with those characters for me and this is my problem with movies generally i can never really get invested in those relationships because you've only got two hours to spend with these people 
and games are very different in that sense right because you have a long period of time you can tell a story over a longer kind of length you can have narrative happen in different ways so like when characters are walking around talking to each other you know it's a very sony style thing to do with like last of us and god of war but i think it's an effective way of getting storytelling across and like building relationships doing that sort of stuff and this game does that very well alongside its main kind of like cutscene moments where things get emotional and, and things are you know changing and, and characters develop and like there's this strong through line and like theme of that kind of like idea of found family uh that kind of friendship bond that the the guardians have and i think a lot of people get that from the movies but for me this stands well above those right similar to the way uh you know Mar- marvel spider-man for me is the best spider-man story out there marvel's guardians of the galaxy is like head and shoulders above anything the mcu has done for me just because the time you get to spend with these characters like the characterization the build-up the the just the ways in which everything comes together um and the combat is a lot of fun you know i i heard people dunk on the combat a lot and i think that you know it's not the greatest thing in the world it's 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 not revolutionary but i enjoyed it like there's this kind of like meter that you build up and you have to kind of like be aware of your guns because they're on cooldown and stuff and then you can like you can use your your guardian friends to like go and do other abilities so they're like mapped to the the face buttons you're like okay gamora do this and then drax do this so you're not controlling them but you're like indirectly controlling their abilities which is fun and then the moments where like you can kind of do that breakdown thing where everyone comes in and that you go into a huddle and you have to like inspire them uh, and then music plays after that the music that plays like the licensed music in this game is fucking it's the only time where i have been like hmm maybe those giant bomb people are, are correct when they talk about licensed music in video games it's <laughs> the only time so many. <laughs> yeah it's the, it's the one video game where like but it's also it's the type of music that i like is like classic rock and like that sort of stuff and it's the only time where like it elevates the game right like those moments where you know you, you get into that huddle and you inspire your crew and then it comes back to the fight and all of a sudden that music that licensed music is playing and you're just like in the flow and you're like feeling it and it's just like so cool it's so so good and the other thing is that there is music in this game that sounds like licensed music <laughs> but it's actually a fake band it's a band that they invented for the game called star lord the band is called star lord and they made like an entire album for this fake band mm. and the music is fucking bops like they are bangers they are so goddamn good um and so there's a lot of that in the game as well alongside the kind of musical score but i i think it's it has such a good story to tell for me honestly like this is up there with god of war in terms of just like storytelling and characterization and just variety and locations bali i think you will fucking love this game like it is everything that you like in games um it's so so good and i had an amazing time with it i think it's it's just the whole package when it comes to these type of things and uh yeah light light choices as well like there's a bit of telltale in there where like you can decide the very beginning there's this weird llama creature and you can decide like am i going to keep this thing or sell this thing and then if you'd keep it it's just on your ship the whole time and you interact with it and it it leads to funny moments you know and like there's this ongoing joke of like nobody closes the fridge and every time you're back in the ship the fridge is open and i my fucking ocd i kept going over there and closing the fridge every time close the fridge close the fridge and then eventually like 20 hours of the game peter just is like someone just like leaving the fridge open like this no one comments in the whole game except for right at the very end it's so good it's so yeah. well done um yeah this game is exceptionally good and i loved it and i think it is one of the best of last year and if it, if i played it last year it would have absolutely been on my game of the year list because um, i had such a ball with it so yeah 
Night number three, Marvel's nice. Guardians of the Galaxy. I need to play it before it leaves Game Pass, which I'm worried might be soon. Yeah, probably coming up. I think pro- I think it went to Game Pass in like April of lo- of this year. Okay, so you've got so probably a few months. Okay. Uh, I I'll, would prioritize I it, honestly. I try to play that um, yeah. after, after Elden Ring. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> My number two is Greece. Um I think I played this, this was the first game I beat this year. I think I actually started it end of last year and then just purposefully finished it this year to say that this was my first game I beat this year. And I was worried that Greece was just going to be very airy-fairy, arty-farty. I don't know what other um, descriptors I can use, but um, it's a lot more video game than I thought it might be and i think that's a really good thing because i think this game is really really awesome there's some like really lovely puzzle platforming in there the music the, the like the scale of like the world compared to your character and i love how each world is basically based on like a different color and there's like i just remember like this there's like this forest and the sound design of the forest is just so well done and then there's like this red area and oh it's just it's a really stunning game and again it's like maybe three hours four hours long and it just it's a really 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 good like one of those as it were um i don't fully follow along any kind of narrative theme it's mainly going for it's quite hard to kind of like parse out like what's what's is there a message to all of this yeah that's it's interesting you like this so much because it does to me fall into the inside category of like up to interpretation when it comes to storytelling generally Um, and i know you tend to lean away from that but i think greece is again i think the reason it stands out from a lot of those other kind of narrative games is that it has it has the mechanical juice behind it right like i was surprised when i was walking along and i'm like oh i just turn into a square i just become this cube this block that stops the wind right like there's a mechanical um joy to it that i think elevates the the beautiful art and the music that come along with it right like Mm. the way you're in the rain jumping on those trees and the trees like appear as you jump on them you know they're kind of like the big uh kind of zoomed out areas where these huge staircases and then you go upside down and like there's so much like there's like it swimming feels... mechanics and everything and it's like a yeah. chase sequence of like this eel that's after right. it's like creepy and oh god it's it's really it's just really yeah you're right like it does the artifice stuff but it's just so mechanically strong like inside and i i defend inside's mechanics i think it's fantastic i think those puzzles are great i've i've as i said before it's just mainly the ending that uh-huh. just a bit yeah. like Ugh, didn't like the way that ended but anyway i don't i don't think greece reaches any kind of like conclusion in that sense and, no um, yeah mechanically just so strong i mean like the animation and the way it runs on switch is just so smooth and artistic i've also really struggled with all these arty words it's like a watercolor painting come to life right there's a fluidity to it there's a flow of the animation that it it's very different from anything else i've ever seen visually and i think that's why it stands out so much because not a a lot of games kind of get to this level of artistry when it comes to getting across something in reality like a watercolor painting onto the screen in that kind of moving way you know like you could put this in an art you could put like a digital screen of greece with like the animation happening in an art gallery and i think people would you know respect that you know Um, it's yeah it's it's a really well-made thing and i i was also quite surprised by how much i liked it um i think it is that connection when it comes to like the movement like it feels good to move around yeah. in that game you know jumping and 
swimming and diving and, and floating like all of those verbs really enhance the kind of like the ethereal nature of what they're trying to do on a narrative level yeah. like the game is about bringing color back to a world that has none and that ties into this theme of grief like the the statue that keeps falling apart like mm. the idea of motherhood like there's a lot of kind of themes that you can find in this game and i don't think that it coheres into a quote-unquote narrative but it is literary in the sense that it is evoking those feelings those themes those uh, those ideas um and i think it does a really good job of that and you take from that what you will i think and i'd be interested if it's a decent candidate for a a game you could show a non-gamer and would they take something from it and part of me thinks it's actually kind of mechanically a little bit too tricky for maybe it's it's funny you say that uh because uh one of the curious things about greece was one of my favorite booktubers murphy napier she uh obviously she does book stuff and one day she decided i'm gonna upload this this video of a game that i really love and the game was greece and she uploaded a video about greece and how much she loves it and why it's one of her her, the games that she actually played because she doesn't play a lot of video games she like plays older stuff that she grew up playing but she was like this is a, a new game that i really like and let me tell you about why i love it and all that stuff and she was talking again she's a very literary person so uh, is able to kind of pass the kind of like narrative of the game in a way that is meaningful to her but i, I think that like the beauty and the art and stuff really struck uh, in that way and i think yeah it is a game that can break beyond boundaries in that sense similar to journey you know um one of my colleagues at work who doesn't play a huge amount of video games she uh has journey as her favorite game of all time um you know mm, and i think that greece is similar in that way it has that same way of evoking emotion uh through just art and visuals and music um that i think is very hard to do and very few games achieve it but i think greece is definitely up there when it comes to that yeah so, yeah yeah awesome right okay you said you're number two uh bali when you said you know you're like oh i don't know what's in your list anime probably well you're you're right on one count uh my number two is ai the somnium files yeah. uh, the first ai the somnium files uh which i played I, I am a lot more interested in this game after we discussed it i'm i'm intrigued well we actually we discussed the sequel recently oh, sorry but, uh, right but... <laughs> silly me yes. so of course i played this at the very start of this year right um so this is the first game instead of the murders being based on bodies being cut in half this is eyes being taken out of people's heads uh-huh. so the left eye is taken out from people's bodies after they've been murdered um so a similar setup in a way for me the reason this one hit so hard is the first one that i played you know and i think that having an uchikoshi game uh you know a series a, a creator who i've followed from afar you know hearing james jones in 2009 whatever talk about 999 on rfn and me being like that sounds interesting this uchikoshi guy seems cool and years and years go by and i still haven't played that series but finally yeah, the somnium files was on game pass and i'm like i've been waiting to check this thing out for a long time let me just dive in with two feet and see what what it's about and for me a lot of the joy of this was discussing it with discord like uh, mirandum on our discord was playing at the same time and so both of us were playing simultaneously and we'd be writing back and forth like the entire if you go back on discord it's just like spoiler bars non-stop because it's just like discussing the narrative as we go through and other people had played it as well and so they were chiming in so like it was just a really fun communal experience of playing through a game and like theorizing what was going to happen like you know what what's happening with these murders what's going on really what's the the twist going to be and i found it super enthralling just the way in which it has these multiple timelines that you go through and the first timeline that i chose it ends in like this really shocking dark way and then it's like 
all right, go back to that previous point and find a different branch. And the thing I really like about this in particular and its sequel is how easy it makes that stuff. Because in your imagining, you're like, oh, timeline branches, I have to go back and replay stuff I've already done. But you can just hold down a trigger button and it speeds up everything. So you can just speed through all the stuff you've already done and it takes like no time at all. And then you get to the branching point uh, in the Somnium where you have to figure out, you know, uh, you know, first time I chose this route, this time I'm going to choose the other route. And it takes you down a completely different timeline. And everything from that point on is completely different. So it's it makes that process streamlined and easy in a way that I think could have fallen foul and could have been frustrating, but never is because it's so smooth of a transition. And you're able to kind of jump between these timelines. And it's this kind of moment of piecing things together. I also prefer the way that the murder mystery comes together in this game, the way that it, it kind of breadcrumbs things and the way in which I could have almost like not figure it out at the very beginning, but almost have these suspicions from the start that then prove to be true because of the the seeds that they lay and the foundations that they lay. Um, <laughs> and I think just the characters are a real strength here, right? Like, as I've talked about, these games are capital H horny, like Jesus Christ. <laughs> they talk about stuff all the time that is dumb. But uh, the characters themselves in their emotional moments, in their character arcs, in the ways that they kind of deal with the subject matter and what's actually going on with them internally obviously this game is very much an internal game because the idea of somniums is going into someone else's headspace like going into their mind and figuring out like what they're hiding what they're running away from what is the what is the part of themselves they're suppressing or the thing that they're trying to kind of move away from and and not address and i think that is inherently an interesting topic but also they handle it with a lot of care and you know these characters can be extremely dumb and stereotypical anime and yet there are moments of writing that really bring out the emotion and like have like things to say and are like prescient and i I think that's a really cool thing in a series that you would look from the outside and think oh that's just some dumb anime bullshit uh, as you tend to do with a lot of these games <laughs> but like there is that you know there's a reason people love this stuff right and, and there is a depth to the character and the nuance there and i think really shines through um and i think just presentationally i love these games part of what i beat this whole thing in like under a week is like 30 hours long i just couldn't stop playing it and part of it is like the smoothness of the presentation the voice acting just all sounds really good and is just there's something about the the art style and the visuals that is poppy and bright and just like nice to exist in uh, and a world i just kept wanting to get more from and um yeah i i i think it's it's so good and it has all the in jokes like kagami shout out to kagami uh, shout out to just like clicking on every object in a room just to see if a dumb joke will be made about it always worth doing every single time and um yeah i i really do love air the somnium files and for me it's up there with danganronpa it's like top tier visual novel um it's it's really super super good so i highly recommend that and its sequel and uh yeah it's why it's so high on my list at number two right my goatee tidoki what's 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 the correct phrase i'm looking for yep absolutely uh is portal oh shit okay um so obviously, Portal 1 and 2 came to Switch this year, and you and me were like, Ballys is a perfect opportunity to play Portal. And it's, yeah. not, it's one of those games that's not actually that easy to download on other platforms at the moment. It so hasn't it been widely available. Like, it's on PC, obviously, right. but like, the last time Portal was available was the 360 generation. Right, so. right. 
So it's awesome that like it came to Switch in this like little package. And I think I, I only spent like maybe twelve, sixteen pounds on it, which was a good deal. Yeah, yeah, it was quite cheap actually. Like they priced it appropriately, especially because Valve, like on Steam, you can get the first portal for like four quid or something on Steam. Like mm. both games are super cheap at this point. Valve definitely reduced the barrier to entry on those games a lot over the years. Yeah, and like when you download it, it just it downloads two games so like you get portal one and then you get portal two it's like two separate little thumbnails on on your switch which is yeah. interesting um so yeah i played portal one and you know a lot has been said about this game i i knew like a lot of people's opinions on this game before going into the game without really knowing a lot of the details obviously i knew about the mechanic of like the blue and the orange um sort of warp holes that you're creating for yourself using your gun and even with knowing all that this game still like stunned me to the point with my mouth like picking up my jaw off the floor kind of thing like where you're in puzzles and you're thinking oh my god and i did have to look up maybe like one or two puzzles because it does get pretty challenging at points but like wow there's just like so much innovation in the way that one mechanic is used to like if you gave that to a hundred if you gave that mechanic to a hundred people and you said right come up with a puzzle um using this mechanic like there's still so many mechanic um puzzles in this game that a hundred people wouldn't be able to come up with like there's a real level of design and craft in like coming up those ideas and using like momentum to gain velocity to then catapult yourself using height to then another and changing different angles and it's it's so much more physics based and still works fantastically well than you would um anticipate and you know like i i i don't love the end of the game and where like the kind of the you break out of the game as it were um but i still love like the first three quarters of the game i think are immaculate and as much as i have issues with the fourth part it's still a still a strong finish and yeah portal you know it's up there in the it's all it's always touted as like one of the greatest games of all time and i'm kind of in the camp that i kind of agree yeah it's really interesting to have you come to it fresh uh in this year of our lord 2022 and it holds up it holds yeah yeah totally and and you know I, i think that was the thing like when people first saw it it was you know valve put this out as a as a an extra bonus thing it was like when the orange box came out everyone was there for team fortress and half-life and all the stuff on the orange box and then everyone got it and were like oh this weird three-hour thing from valve that they just added on to the orange box actually one of the best games ever made um which is really <laughs> interesting um you know this whole thing started life as a student project and um mm. and then yeah, gabe newell saw it and was like hey we should bring these guys in house and uh and they ended up making one of the, the you know, most well-known, beloved puzzle games ever made. They almost invented a genre, right? Like, first-person puzzle games didn't exist, I would say, before Portal happened. And then Portal happened, and um, and then people just kind of ran with it. And, and there have been a lot of games since then. And uh, I think that its its impact has been felt pretty strongly. But I also don't think anyone anything has really topped it, you know? I don't think anything has really come close to matching its brilliance. Because, like, just from the outset, you know, that whole idea of a Portal here and there and just shoot like as a concept it's just so brilliant from the outset Mm. that it's almost impossible to uh to top it and like um you know portal has a 
there's there's a way in which it's linked to like the rise of internet video you know uh, one of the most famous early internet videos from freddie wong is that video with a portal gun where he shoots it in different places and throwing stuff around and then he shoots one in the ceiling one on the floor and then he's just falling infinitely through it and can't can't get out of it and that's the end of that skit like it's one of the most famous internet videos out there based on the portal gun right portal has a right. has a history with early internet video in a way that is also very cool so yeah uh definitely uh, interested to see what you think when you get to the second one also hopefully i'll pick that collection up on sale and we can do co-op for portal 2 which i've been waiting to do for near a decade now so finally (laughs) finally we'll get to do it so finally yeah my goatee to goatee Portal. goatee t dakoti goatee t dakoti yes goatee t dakoti uh yeah it's it's the middle name of of he's like an esq goatee t dakoti esquire uh he's our character someone needs to draw fan art of goatee t dakoti uh okay so my number one bally which i lost when it decided because i'm like look come on let's be honest with myself is it the other somnium no because that came out this year okay apologies got you right uh i've got to be honest with myself i've got to look at deep in my heart and think you know what? I'm a man who has argued for Guitar Hero all his life, Guitar Hero 3, to be on our top 50. So who would I be if I didn't put one of the other greatest rhythm games of all time on this list? Because Beat Saber fucking rules. Holy wow. shit. I forgot Beat you got to Saber. That this year. Yeah. So that's yeah. the thing. Beat Saber, I technically started end of last year when I got my headset. Right. And um, I, didn't, I didn't put it in, in last year's list. So I have continued to play Beat Saber this whole year, Bally, right? Like, I am playing Beat Saber constantly, and it is a game I go back to. Other VR games have suffered, because every time I pick up my Oculus, I just click Beat Saber and start playing that instead. It is the perfect VR game. It is the perfect rhythm game. It has a build of difficulty in a way that is so satisfying. It is a good workout. You know, it is all these things. And I think it is... It's so exceptional in a way that just the idea is so simple right you have two lightsabers hit things as they come towards you but what they do with it like the new mechanics they uh invent for like certain of these music packs so like i got the i've bought like multiple music packs for this game right like i've got the panic of the disco one the fallout boy one like lincoln park uh lady gaga like i have multiple uh of these and they all have like a different kind of feel to them and tone to them some are better than others like I don't think Linkin Park's that great because it's very drum-focused, and I, I don't love the way they've implemented it. Also, fucking hard. Holy shit, Linkin Park songs in Beat Saber are difficult. Um, but Panic! of the Disco ones are so good. It even made me like Panic! of the Disco songs that I wasn't really a fan of. That's how mm. good this game is, right? Like, I have, I've come to appreciate later panic of the disco stuff which you know i'm a, i'm an og panic fan i like albums one through three and everything after that is shit in my mind but <laughs> but you know some of these songs that they put out post uh third album they're pretty good uh when played in beat saber um and one of them i think is um what's that movie with hugh jackson and uh the greatest showman or something is that what it's called hugh jackman yeah the greatest showman yeah yeah that's why i said jackman um, and yeah he did the song in that that's on it right yeah yes uh so that's a great uh, song the greatest show yeah and, yeah. and, and brendan yuri sings it and it's it's one of my favorite songs to play in beat saber it's just mm, so well yeah. done um Ooh, i want that pack now i need to boot up my VR. mate it's so fucking good <laughs> holy shit like this obviously right now as i'm sick as you can tell um i can't really play it because like my head hurts i mean i played beat saber to the point of sickness when i was yeah. very into it and yeah it's it's Oh, it's so good yeah I, I played to the point where 
I could feel my eyes straining and my body just like crumbling. And I was uh-huh. like, I've just, I've just got to get this high score. I've just got to keep going. I've just yeah. got to keep doing it. And then, yeah, I was pretty, pretty ill because it, yeah. is, it is intense. It's, it's such a great game. It's so good. But it's also like over the summer, I couldn't play it that much because it was hot. You know, like yeah. you need the right conditions for yeah. it. Winter is a great time to play Beat Saber because it's cold. And so you're sweating, but you won't get that uh, hot because the, you know, the, the cooler air and, and stuff like that. But also, uh, I need to make sure my hair is cut properly because otherwise the the VR headset just does a whole thing in the middle of my head and my hair gets fucked up. Um, there's a lot, look, there's a lot of conditions to playing Beat Saber. But yeah. let me tell you, I've pushed through those conditions multiple times just to just to play a bit, a bit of Beat Saber. Yeah. And um, I'm surprised how my muscle memory holds up because like, I won't play it for a month and then I'll come back and be like, oh yeah, I can just jump into Expert on this and do it without having to... Uh, to uh warm up first which is quite mm. good um but yeah it's it's a game where i want to get better at it but then sometimes you get to some of those harder stages and you're like i have to be a literal fucking god to do this like it is so you look at the note chart and you're like how does anyone do this like what the fuck but you know that was the same thing with guitar hero where yeah. i watched you play nice Sidonia. i was like oh on my medium. god <laughs> on medium i was like, oh my god he's a god <laughs> what is this um and then you know you know fast forward three months and i'm playing through the fire and the flame heart. so <laughs> You know, there's a, there's a journey there, and I certainly uh, I'm still on a bit of a journey with Beat Saber, but generally I think I've I've maybe hit my ceiling. You know, like I can play most things on expert, and uh, and I have a good time doing that, and it's good fun. So, yeah, it is. Uh, so they will good. do a Beat Saber at like two at some point, and I reckon they've got a good chance of like getting more, you know, licensed music involved and doing. I a wonder because it seems like this game just never goes on sale and they just keep adding music to it music packs so it feels like a game that is almost treated like a service at this point and i don't Mm. know that they will do a sequel because all they don't need to change anything it's a perfect video game all you need to do is add more music that's all you need to do and for the most part a lot of people on pc who play this uh they have done naughty stuff so they don't have to pay for the music and they i mean I, music. I think they'll do a two just because of the marketing beat as much as it i don't think the the get it marketing beat but, yes, um, uh-huh. just as much as i don't think that they'll change much about the game but yeah, yeah. I, I see what you mean the greatest compliment i can give beat saber is that uh my sister who doesn't play video games couldn't give less of a shit i have to struggle to try and be like hey <laughs> this could be interesting you might like this uh I showed her Beat Saber and she's like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, and every time she's here, she's like, oh, can I play some Beat Saber? Um, the reason I bought the Lady Gaga pack. Yeah, the reason I bought the Lady Gaga pack, not for me, for her. That's the reason. Right. Uh, so like, Hey, Lady uh, Gaga is some damn good pop music. Oh, yeah. And really good fun. I, the one drawback is her songs are quite long. So that's the one drawback of Beat Saber. I think three minutes is the, is the sweet spot for songs in Beat Saber. Anything beyond that, a five-minute song in Beat Saber feels like you're going to die. It really <laughs> yes. does. Like, five minutes is a long time to and be And how are your sister's skills? Uh, pretty good. She can do, like, medium, and that's I good. think, like, that's has good. tried hard, but got get, gets overwhelmed because it goes too fast. But, um, yeah, I can generally do medium on stuff. So, anyway, uh, yeah, that's my number one. Beat Saber, fucking rules. Um, there you go. Awesome. So, Bally uh that's the list uh should we go through some honorable mentions do you have sure. any honorable mentions at all you want to throw out there? yeah i mean there's the five that didn't make it basically um a couple of these are recommendations from you oh great them, but bayonetta 2 and to the moon um yes. both didn't make it f-zero x didn't make it either yeah I, I did enjoy that game i don't know if it just out of all the n64 games i've kind of gone back to it didn't have the the same impact that others have had um uh psychonauts 2 uh, i beat that game this year and yeah, I like that game a lot. It just doesn't. I don't know. Just it's a you bit, didn't click with it. Yeah, didn't click with it. Um, I think 
that game needs less combat. Like, I think it just... Interesting. I, I just didn't like the combat, and I thought it also needed You not liking Psychonauts combat. 2 is honestly my biggest surprise of the year, because I really <laughs> thought you'd be a mark for that game. I, I thought it would be definitely for you, but no. Um, and then, sort of the game I like a lot, that is my number 11, most definitely, would be Mini Motorways. Um, oh, yeah. Me and Caroline sunk a lot of time into that game, and it's just a really chill nice like little podcast game gonna make some roads gonna do it more efficiently and then it does get stressful as your roads get more clogged and you're trying to stick around about in the traffic light just trying to ease the flow and it gets tougher but um that's a good game mini motorways would highly recommend it as well awesome uh yeah i've got a few uh i would say a uh, big one is yakuza 6 the song of life um obviously i gave yakuza its flowers last year in this list it was my number one the entire series uh so i was like you know people know i like yakuza so let's just kind of chill on that for this year and you know yakuza 6 very good really enjoyed it it's a gorgeous looking game shout out to the location in that game which is uh onomichi i think the onomichi bandit the oranges which is actually a real town yes exactly um and it's one of my favorite towns in the whole series it's such a you're just running around with a baby in that town it's honestly <laughs> It's a section of this game where you're running around town holding a baby and the baby cries and you have to stop it crying. Legit game of the year like moment. There's a mo actually I probably should have put fucking Yakuza Six on this. There's a moment where they're trying to escape from the Don't get rid of the pathless. There's a moment where they're trying to escape from bad guys, okay? And they have the baby, but they've got to get the baby uh, over to this person. And the person is far away. So they take the baby and they like, there's this slow motion scene where they're like treating the baby like a rugby ball. And they're just fucking throwing this baby. A guy catches the baby, keeps running, throws the baby to another person. And you just these slow motion. This is the dumb of Yakuza, like a peak dumb in a way that is so fucking funny. But like this baby, just you just see it soaring through the air and then people catching it. It's fucking incredible. Oh, God, Yakuza rules. I should have put it on this list. Anyway, Yakuza uh, 6, Song of Life is there. Um, big shout out to Illusion of Gaia. Um, again, my journey to play the, the Quintet trilogy of games. Played Soul Blazer last year, played Illusion of Gaia this year. Probably going to play Terranigma next year. I've already got Terranigma loaded up on my Steam Deck. And um, yeah, Terranigma is held in very high regard. Uh, someone at work uh, was saying Terranigma is their favorite game. Uh, again, I think last year was their number one game uh, that they played, uh, including all games, old games and new games. Um, so I'm very looking forward to playing Terranigma because it has a mythical status about it um, that is uh, very, very enticing. But Illusion of Gaia, very good step forward for the series. I think better than Soul Blazer in every way, but didn't quite make it onto the list. Um, still has a little bit of that Super Nintendo kind of old gameness holding it back somewhat, but still a good fun time. Uh, and 2D and Top D, I want to shout out that super cool oh, puzzle yeah. game um, that I think is really neat and gets a little bit too complicated for its own good near the end, which is why it doesn't quite make it onto this list. It's um, it's very very uh, smart and innovative, and then it kind of goes a bit off the deep end in terms of complexity of its puzzles that made them frustrating and not fun. Which was um, yeah, the thing that kind of docked it for me when it came down to it. But um, nice. yeah, loads of other old games I played this year. You know, Astro Boy. Uh, Drill Dozer, you know, lots of uh, Sonic Advance 2, you know, lots of Ambonic stuff that I was really enjoying. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a solid year overall for old games and some some really good ones. So uh, Balish, should we go back down our lists and recap for everybody? Yeah, sure. Um, my number 10 was If Found, number 9, Fall Guys, number 8, Hyperlight Drifter, number 7, Mario Golf, number 6, Dead Cells, number 5, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, number 4, Kaze and the Wild Masks, number 3, Lake, number 2, Greece, and number 1, Portal. 
Awesome. Uh, my number 10 was The Pathless. Number 9 was Klonoa, Daughter Phantomile. Number 8 was Final Fantasy, Dawn of Souls. Number 7 was Fall Guys. Number 6 was If Found. Number 5 was Final Fantasy 14, whatever I played this year. Uh, number 4 was Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers Edition. Number 3 was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Number 2, AI The Somnium Files. And number 1, Beat Saber. Uh, so yeah, pretty good overall. Um, I, I think it's an interesting list on both of our ends. Eclectic, as we said. Different. Um, but still, some some gems in there, you know. Beat Saber, I think, is an all-time great game uh, in my mind. So I'm, I would put it up there uh, as, as the best game. So there you go. Um, Bally, any thoughts? anything yeah i'm like i said my, my list is, is is switching back to being a bit more nintendo which is nice as i've 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 cleared up a lot of the the sony classic backlog um that i've been working through over the last few years um and yeah i think next year it'll probably be more you know it's like in, there's a few more like indie deeper dives on here or just indie games that i need to kind of mop up and i think there's still stuff that you can catch up on that you've missed exactly in loads years, to get yeah. to and stuff like guardians of the galaxy i'd love to play that starting next year for example oh, yeah. especially while it's on game pass um so that's probably what my list might be next year but i'm, I'm, I'm happy with my list and you know it's a nice mix of games and i think there's like if we can't ban it, uh, to the moon, High Flight Drifter, uh, Dead Cells. Like, that's four games you've been telling me about for like a long time that I finally yeah. played this year, and two of those I like more than the other two, and that's okay. But like, it's good that I'm 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 clearing my MBZ backlog, which is like uh-huh. a very specific specific backlog. <laughs> yeah, sure. Although nothing ever reaches the echelons of Overwatch in, in that in that list. Sure, totally. Um, awesome. Well that is going to do us for this episode thanks everybody for listening it's a long one uh but uh we had uh, a lot to talk about a lot of games to dive deep on and hopefully you got some nice recommendations for yourself if you're looking over christmas and you see oh chrono cross is on sale let's pick that up i recommend you do that um, that would be very good uh let's uh wrap things up with our supporters bally we are supported of course on patreon.com if you go to patreon.com slash this nintendo life uh you can support us get bonus episodes support the show all that fun stuff uh we'd like to thank some of our supporters yes thank you to our ten dollar ten dollar tier patrons they are zach s thomas matthew albert and wicked gamer uk alan thank you all for your ten dollar tier support but thank you to all of our patrons it's hugely appreciated the support you give the show um especially at this time of year as we're reaching reaching the holiday season yeah um, and yeah, should shout out that our next Patreon show, our episode for December, which will come out a week from now, that's going to be our top five Nintendo games of the year. So like yes. quite a few big Nintendo games that we've been playing and we will be talking about and we will, will be making a combined list that will be top five. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, there'll be lots of interesting chat conversation to have around it. Uh, so yeah, if you would like to, that's just a dollar on Patreon. You can go over there and support us. Uh, you can also find us on the internet twitter somehow still exists uh so i'm just gonna keep saying at the time uh, of recording it. twitter exists uh, yeah again we are recording like a week in advance <laughs> so uh who knows what will happen uh you know a week on the internet is a long long time but as twitter still exists you can follow us at tnl podcast that is there for updates about the show all those sort of things you can also follow me at lord nbz where can they find you bally i'm on twitter at ballyman 91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1
lovely stuff uh you can find the show in various places we're on spotify we're on stitcher go give us five stars if you like the show you can do that on spotify on the app you can also go over to uh, apple Podcasts and rate us over there as well i'd be very much appreciated rating in any place uh, anywhere on the internet if you can always helps and lets other people find the show so it takes a couple of minutes but um be very appreciated if you want to give us a nice little christmas gift then that is all we ask for is give us some ratings on those storefronts that would be very much appreciated um and yeah i think that's pretty much it uh we still have one more episode ballet of the year to come uh, where we're gonna talk about uh the best games that came out this year and uh i'm gonna get my arguments lined up uh gonna put like a little argument beside each game i want higher okay up, you know? i might strategize a bit uh-huh. see. Um, we need to do some deals some bargaining yeah. we've some not bartering. compiled our list yet as in like our our pre-list but I'm, yes i'm wanting to say it'll be a close to 20 25 games but That's, it's, yeah it's a lot we'll of see. stuff we'll see and we'll, we'll, we'll break that down to a top 10 absolutely so i'm very much looking forward to that that'll be a good fun time until then though thank you everybody for listening we'll be back very soon see you next time bye bye folks interludes used on today's show were the Arvin battle theme from Pokemon Scarlet and Violet copyright Nintendo Game Freak the Pokemon Company 2022 and Ishgard Day from Final Fantasy 14 copyright Square Enix 2014